Yeah, so, uh, what I was thinking, like, um, we, we need, you know how, like, podcasts, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the podcasts are, uh, they want to be funny, right? They want to be, uh, they don't just want to be informative. They want to, they want to do something amusing. Something yeah, amusing, yeah, yeah, right, 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 yeah. right, right. And what if there was a way to just, like, uh, go into the episode in a way that was funny and not necessarily immediately connected to, like, the show itself, yeah. A little bit of a non sequitur, uh, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, thing, and then you do a like a little cut, and then you do the, the, exactly. the show happens, right? Yeah, because, yeah. like, I have a lot of people are like, How do you start a podcast? How do you start that? You know, they don't yeah. know how to start it. We come in, we come in with this idea, this, um, this, this, this beginning concept, this, yeah. Uh, e-beginning, or, um... A digital start. Digi-start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, you know, how people get into, into the episode of the podcast. Ah, a revolutionary idea. Never be done. We'll put the whole thing on the blockchain. It'll, it'll be incredible. Yeah, you can mint an NFT of the start of every episode. It is, it, it's a foolproof plan. Yeah, and you, you can say you own that episode, and uh, we'll put, we'll put it on the, the, the ice blockchain. The ice blockchain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Because yeah. okay. uh, you, know, you know, you know, that's that's new. And I have been encouraged to invest a lot of money in that. So, oh, I see. Obviously, I see. the more we sell that to yeah, other people, yeah. the more my investment will return. Right? The more you don't lose money. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think this, uh, this, uh, this ice blockchain, this, this, this cold open concept. I think we think we really got that. I think we really got something here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This hasn't been done, right? Nah, we're geniuses. We're the first to come up with everything. Everything. Now, about that public transport. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Harris Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. We're back. We're back. It's a podcast. We talk about all, all, the, all the things we've been doing. We're two queer trans women. We do All sorts of media happens. We tell you about how we feel about it. Yeah, we had a great thing last week. You were unavailable. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a live stream where I go through like the making of Queer and Pleasant Strangers and it's going to be great. Yeah. I'm going to like explain... How we we come up with ideas and the sorts of things we talk about and how an episode is put together and, and like how we go about recording that and and some other sort of fun behind the scenes stuff. And then it got to like six thirty after my day job and my body went, Fuck no Yeah Oh oh Bodies Oh it's midnight. That's enough napping, time for bed. Bodies do that sometimes. It's great when they do that. I find weirdly I find any time that you aren't here yeah. And I don't already have like a like a very specific thing that I know I'm supposed to be doing I... alone. My body just goes, ah, we don't need to do anything. Hibernate until she comes back. I mean, I've been <laughs> a little the same the couple of times you've been away and I've been here by myself. My body's just like, ah, oh, this, this ain't how we do things. Sleep until it's back to normal. The battery has been removed. <laughs> Pass out now. Uh. <laughs> Well, we usually start this show with things we've played during the week. What have you played this during, week? During the fortnight, what have we the played? Fortnite. Have you played Fortnite? I have not played Fortnite. Oh, okay, this well, I guess it won't be that then. 
Uh, I played some uh, Escape Academy. Oh, yeah, digital escape roomy type thing. Yes. What if there was a digital escape room? How, how was Designed by people who design escape rooms. How was the digital escape rooms? Uh, I enjoyed it. I had fun. Uh, I did a bit of it on stream. Hmm. And uh, everyone largely behaved themselves. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's like, I want to do the puzzle and I want to do it myself, but I'm very glad that you're all excited about this. Yay. It's, um, hey, let me do the puzzle, but also if I, if I explicitly ask because I need a hint, thank you for helping me. Absolutely. It helps that I have, like, chat on a second screen, so, like, I can, like, just put my hand, sl- slightly blinker myself and just... Um, yeah. Just go, I can't see chat. I can't see chat. I don't know. No, hang on. I will. I demand I work this out. Um, I think there was only one on stream where I was like, I absolutely have to restart this. Yeah. Um, possibly two. I can't you, remember. You spent too much time working out a single puzzle and you had not enough left for the rest sort well, of thing? I think, I think it was, it was definitely the last puzzle I like had a, a real struggle with the end of. Mm. Um, and I shouldn't have. I really shouldn't have. But sometimes you just you're not on the right set of tracks of thought. Yeah, I wasn't quite on the right tracks of thought, and and weirdly, I found doing because I finished it off stream. I was like, yeah. oh, I could do it, do another stream of this, and then I was like, no, I just I wanted to play this now. I have yeah. a free evening. I will do this it's now. Sometimes so, nice to do that. Uh, I played through it on my own, and I think there was only one. There was there was two where I had the five minute extension. Yeah, and used it, and there was one where I. Just went okay. I'm just going to completely restart this because I have, yeah. st- I have done a bad here, <laughs> um, and that was the very last puzzle. Hmm. Um, ultimately, I am um, enjoyed it. it yeah. The the puzzles are good and interesting, and um, yeah, it's it's not, it's not too obtuse a set of logic. Uh, no, I mean, it, like any good escape room, all of the data was in front of you, yeah. or possibly to the left of you. <laughs> um, that, that's the joy of the, the 3D-ness. Like, there is always something, and it, uh, even easier than in uh, in a real escape room, certain things will be the only things you can click on. Yes, or the you, only specifically clickable You know thing. for certain that the fact that the rug in the room had a c- turned over corner isn't a clue. And not just someone turn- knocked over a corner of a rug as they walked in the room. That is an art thing. That is an art decision to have that turned I, over. I, don't... I know this because I can click on it and yeah. it just says, that's a nice rug. I'm not supposed to pry the uh, electrical sockets off the wall of my escape room. No. They're not click onable. They are not click onable. <laughs> so, and, and a lot of that sort of certainly helps with. Um, some of the early stuff. The, the plot is quite interesting. Yeah, I caught glimpses of this. So the game starts with you're just a single person going in to do an escape room. Yes. And the like the escape room, I think it's supposed to be slightly medieval themed. Mm. And the basically it's like wallpaper with um uh like stone wall design on it, and it's peeling at the top and just like looking at generally how how shabby that escape room is is quite fun, because I've seen some escape rooms, and, and they do get a bit bashed about. They can do, yeah. Uh, I guess you, you get some slightly raucous parties going in, and um, if they've been around for a little while, and they're not, you know, they can't yeah. always be refurbished, but... Yeah, so it, it was nice to have that slightly beaten-up f- f- theme to it, but as soon as you get out of that first escape room, you realise you're now locked in the escape room building. <laughs> yeah, And you have to get out of that, and... 
that's quite a fun little thing. I'm working that out. And eventually you're, the whole thing is, aha, you have solved our riddle within a riddle. You you can join the Escape Academy. <laughs> um, and, and like the plot is interesting. It, it's more substantial than you would expect out of a game that's digital escape rooms. Yeah, pretty much. Like there's, yeah. it goes some places. I, I do like a good digital escape room. Yeah. Like, the, the only one I've really put any good time into was uh, I Expect You to Die, which is the mm-hmm. VR one that's ja- uh, James Bond-esque yes. themed escape scenarios. Yeah. I like a good digital escape room. I, I think I played a bit yeah. of that, and I, I really struggled with a lot of it, but I did have fun. Yeah. Um, did you ever play any of the room? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like I have played them at some point, but I can't remember exactly which ones or when. <laughs> um... Like hidden object games, I tend to find that they vanish out of my brain almost as soon as I yeah. put them down. And I think that's okay. Yeah, you know. It's like, I enjoy this thing. It is a, an excellent way to pass time, and gosh, I have lost a lot of time playing hidden object games. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It was It's available on Game Pass, so if you have that, there's no harm in giving it a try. Um, the character models aren't perfect but the game isn't really about the characters it's about yeah. the rooms that you're exploring so it doesn't really matter exactly uh what about you what have you played i mean the main thing i've been playing is i've put like 60 hours so far Wilder. into uh xenoblade 3 that's a real fucking good xenoblade game i'm glad you're enjoying it it, it is i think quite by quite a wide margin my favorite xenoblade game there's been mm-hmm. um so for anyone who's never played any of the xenoblade games they are um, single-player RPGs that mechanically play kind of like MMOs with cooldown timers and mm-hmm. managing your, your DPS and your healer and your tank. Yes. Uh, the gimmick with this one is that you are a, a you're in a world where there has been this war going on for as long as anyone can remember, and people are born, yeah, trained up for war, thrown mm-hmm. into the war. After a decade, you die. New people come join the war, uh, and you are playing as a party of three people from each side of this war who are forcibly removed from the conflict by events that make the plot happen, and suddenly have to go, hey, we have to learn to work together and go on an adventure and maybe unravel this entire war by slowly like going around trying to teach people that war is futile and violent and terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a lot of decisions they've made with this game. Like... I really like that the the main two characters, like, you don't have a set main character, but, like, it's very clear that from each set of three from each side of the war, you've got one that was, like, their leader. Right. Both of them are something called an offseer, mm-hmm. whose job in the war was basically to... So these go- are the tootleflutles. Tootleflutles. Um, their entire job in the war was to basically go and, when when the battle is done, when all the fighting is done, basically play music to help send those who have departed on to the next life. And one thing I really like about um, the first character you start really playing as, Noah, is that he's an offseer who is characterised initially as he will go and perform these funeral rites for the other side of the war, not just for his own, because he recognises that if everyone on their side in that battle is dead, there is no one to perform their funeral rites, and everyone deserves the respect of you know, having having their beliefs mm. honoured. And, like, 
that's a really nice perspective to start for a game that is basically about trying to unravel the horrors of war. Because it's somewhat... You're playing with a pair of characters at the, the front of this who have had to dedicate their lives to sitting with the fact that war is a lot of people dying and it's pretty miserable, and there's not really any better people to be your spokespeople for maybe maybe we try and stop this. Hmm. Um, despite the fact that everyone on both sides is like, it's all we've ever known, and it's a very, like, revenge for revenge, eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. You try and tell one side to stop fighting, and they go, but the other side has killed so many of our people, we need to defeat them. And the other side will say the exact same thing. Oh, dear. Um, I really like the story in this. Um, it took a little, little getting going, as Xenoblade games tend to do a little bit anyway, but this... I will say, this is probably the worst Xenoblade game in terms of taking a while to really hit its stride plot-wise and to take the training wheels off the tutorials. Mm-hmm. But once it does, once it opens up, once it goes, we have hit our, hit the thing, and you, like, here's a big open world, go start trying to trying to end war. It's really sweet, and it's really funny, and it's very caring. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of individual moments in this that like I have had like the desire to write entire articles about. It's I have lots oh. of really interesting thoughts about it. Oh. It avoids a lot of the skeezy anime lewdness of Xenoblade 2. Ooh. Um there's no breast-headed people. There's no breast-headed people. There's no people with boob windows and jiggle physics. And there is kind of a reason for that in the plot, but also, like, it's nice to have a little less... They've invented the sports bra. <laughs> There's less jiggle because there is now um, more support. But, like, yeah, I, I really like this cast of characters. I really like where the plot's going. It's real intriguing. The combat's really good. Um, Instead of having, like, Xenoblade 1 and 2 kind of did, where you have an entire big lengthy row down the bottom of the screen for... um like 12 different abilities per character mm-hmm. and you're largely using one character per fight and managing all of those cooldowns at the same time this has your party of six plus a seventh you can slot in from a selection and each of them have basically three attacks three bonus attacks that are just like mapped to buttons on the controllers you can combine attacks from one side or the other to make them into attacks together like it's a real nice simple setup, uh, but it works really well. It it feels a lot less frantically um, running around the screen to manage things. Oh. Uh, reviving teammates is no longer the same pool of energy as uh, doing chain attacks, okay. which means I actually do chain attacks now. My Woo. cool big flashy attacks where your whole party uh, gets to do cool anime shit together. Um, now, if you have a healer in your, in your party and they're alive and they can walk over to you and have a few seconds without getting hit to, to do the revive, you can just get revived for free. There's no meter for it, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is It is a big game. I've really liked all the side quests in it. The side quests have felt a lot more like things I actually want to do that have narrative, narrative weight to them. Yeah. Um, I like that when you get side quests. You don't have to do them straight away or suddenly have them in a big list. You overhear people having conversations and then when you're like, oh, I, I, we'll see what that side quest is about. You sit down at a little campfire and talk it over with your group and yeah. like, you all talk through what you heard and go, hey, maybe we do something about this. Yeah. And it makes it feel 
less incidental. It makes it feel more a part of, like, your group have decided together to go do this one thing at the moment. And Does that mean there aren't 800,000 quests? There are not 800,000 quests. Um, Like, each time you find a new town, you've got maybe, I'd say, probably three to five quests. Oh, yeah. Like, little quests. Once you liberate a town, you get three to five quests, and some of them will be small, some of them will be just like, go over there, get that thing, bring it back. You'll usually have at least a few of those that are like, this is a big thing with narrative and cutscenes, and they all feel like, very specific to the place you've visited, which helps make them feel a little less overwhelming. Yeah. So, given that your team is made up of three people each from the both sides of yeah. this war, who are you liberating these villages for? Um, so you're trying to basically... The best way I can describe it is you're basically trying to create a third faction that is, hey, maybe we don't war. Right. And... They're not necessarily leaving their sides of, of the divide, but they're you're basically going round doing something mechanically to free them from the obligation to keep fighting. Okay. Um, so that they're in a position of, hey, you no longer have to fight in order to not die. Mm-hmm. You now have the choice about, if you want to keep fighting, that's up to you, but you have the option to do other things and to... If, to explore who you can be without the pressure to constantly be fighting or you will die. Because like, there is this gimmick where all of the, the, the communities basically have this t- clock ticking down and they can refill it by killing people from the other side of the war and it's implied that if their clock ever runs out, they'll all die. So it's like, hey, what if we could liberate you from that so that you can choose whether you want to fight? Mm. And if you don't want to fight, we will stand by you because we recognize that paints a target on your back we will stand with you and try and work for a less constantly a war society yeah it's real neat i want to finish it before i like definitively say how i feel about it but right now best xenoblade game by quite a long way i think high praise indeed yeah real digging it yeah what about you what have you been playing I stopped playing Lego Star-, Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. You finally stopped. I stopped. So, fun fact. I played through the whole game, as yeah. I was forced to at the beginning, to go through story mode. And then went, fuck story mode. Had enough of that. Gonna go and do all the side questy shit. So I went and found every kyber brick on every planet. Every character on every planet. Every spaceship Everywhere in the entire galaxy. Hmm. And then I was like, well, I guess it's time to dig back in and do some of those levels. And I got 100% on um, Phantom Menace and about 50% of the way through uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And I went, fuck this, I don't care. I'm done. Weirdly, the, the very specific controlled game parts of that game were the bit I liked least. Yeah. Uh, which is is strange because those are the bits I loved most about the original Lego Star Wars yeah. games. So it feels like they sucked all the fun out of it. Oh no! They're ba- or it's the level design itself. I don't know, but I I really struggled with them the first time through, and I I thought that was just the frustration of, hey, I want to be able to get yeah. things and level things up the way I want to do that. But no, I guess going back to it. I just didn't want to play the levels that way. Well, 
Hopefully, maybe at some point in the future you'll go, I fancy a bit more of that and come back to it. And maybe, maybe. Maybe have fun with it. But Suck it and see. But, uh, um, I'm glad you got lots of fun out of it. I got 90 hours out of it. Yeah, you got lots of fun out of it and walked away when it stopped being fun. Absolutely. I think that was the other thing, like making sure to just walk away when... Yeah. Rather than hate playing it. And I've hate played a lot of games yeah. to completion. And like Lego, like that sort of game when you're 90 hours deep, it's real easy to go, I'll just hate play it to the end. Yeah. Walking away is tricky, so well done. Yay. Uh, what about you? What have you played? Um, I've been playing some li- live, a- live Alive. Li- live Alive. Live Alive. Live A Live, but it could be Live or Live. The logo looks like Live a Evil. A uh, Evil. Live a Evil. <laughs> Um, so this game is like it, It's a game that originally released On the Super Famicom back in 1994 wow. And never got an English language release okay. And it's been ported to Switch With like the visual style From Octopath Traveler Yes um, And given full voice acting The voice acting is really good quality mm-hmm. uh, it, is an, it is an anthology Of short story RPGs All with different mechanics In different settings Um bunch of different little stories they're all like two to two and a half hours long from what i've seen so far um as with any anthology not a hundred percent of them are exactly my thing uh there is one that is like a shinobi ninja samurai one that i cannot get on with the mechanics of very well Ah. but like there's i think seven or eight um like individual stories to go through and Mm. some of them are absolutely wonderful and i don't want to talk too much about too many of them because this is... It's a collection of short stories. I don't want to tell you about all the short stories, mm. but, like, the one I have been really loving and that I, I did a stream of the other day to show off is uh, one that's set in the distant future and you play a little spherical robot called Cube um, who has just been brought into life. You've only just existed. You're on a big uh, transport freighter. Very, very alien. Is you, this the one where you fought Lordy from the band Lordy at the end? It is, yes. Um, so, like, the, you you wake up the crew from cryosleep. You're a crew that has been trans- tasked with transporting a dangerous uh, biological organism that looks like a Final Fantasy summon that is under many layers of security. Uh-huh. Um, and you're supposed to transport it back, and the crew have their various disagreements, as you might imagine. Uh-huh. And then stuff starts going bad on the ship. Um, you start having, like, uh, someone went out for a spacewalk to fix an antenna and got attacked. Um, maybe the thing you're transporting gets out of containment. Uh-oh. And you're just a little robot. You've only existed for, like, a few hours. Your creator's just there, like, hey, little one, it's okay. I, I don't have time to explain to you what existence is, but we've got, we've got stuff to do. Ah. You're, just, you're just this adorable little robot trying to stay afloat in a very chaotic situation um you just want to have friends and there's some very mean people on that ship that don't want to be your friends you just want friends at one point if you ask to read a book a character has to lift you up to put you on a chair so you can be high enough to read it it's adorable this this cube the spherical robot is video game (laughs) character of the year (laughs) Adorable. When they're happy, they do a little spin and do do do. do that's sort of like R two D two. Just yeah. a do 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 do. Yeah. They're very good. Um, I I will say for this collection. Um, and I guess this is probably why this never got tr- at the time translated to English languages. 
it deals with like some darker themes and some heavier topics and some spookier scenarios than you would expect of a Super Nintendo game from the early 90s. Like, it's the kind of stuff that, like, I feel like the ESRB didn't want to have to hassle with when they were dealing with, uh, <laughs> like, oh, we got Night Trap and shit like that. We don't want to have horror experiences and uh, that kind of thing happen on a, a video game. Not Everyone in the children's fun time toy. Exactly. Well, like, it is... It is a. It's got some surprisingly like well written, well performed stories. The voice acting's really good. Yeah. Um. Even if the stories are in some places a little predictable where they're going, mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter in the end because they're carried so well by the voice acting and the performances and the general presentation. Mm-hmm. It's just a really nice collection of short stories that I highly recommend, and I can't wait to finish it when I have time. Yay. What about you? Uh, we played some board games together. We did. What ones did we play? Uh, we played Red Rising, yeah. which is based on a series of books that I've never read or even heard of until we got a copy of Red Rising. Yeah. Um, so this is a hand builder game. Yeah. You have uh, your dealt five cards at the beginning, I think. Yes. And you are basically putting down a card from your hand and picking up a card from a different row. Yes. Or from a... a face down stack and depending on which row you pick up from you will get a specific reward that might be getting the um uh some particular token yeah uh or you might get the um uh you might get extra helium i think it is which is the little red cubes or you might move along a track a bit further generally where you put things down and take stuff up from uh will advance you on point scoring things that will be worth some points but the big points are in your hand. It's... Well, also, though, the, those things where, from where, where you're picking up are how you end the game. Oh, yes. Yes. If a certain number of them pass a certain point, that's where the game ends. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you're basically trying to manage your hand because all the cards in your hand will have varying point scoring conditions. Like, they'll have base points they're worth. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, if you have no cards of this colour in your hand, it's worth a bonus this many points. Or if you have this named character in your hand you get this many bonus points. And trying to shuffle things around to be worth as many points as you can just as you tip over that that uh, victory condition and the game ends. Plus, in a, in a, in a two-player game, the fact that you're probably not going to see quite enough, as as many cards as you would in, in, in other variants, mm-hmm. so you might not ever see a, char- a named character that you yeah. need. But that doesn't necessarily mean you won't maybe yeah. encounter... This card can replicate any other character. Yeah, or this character can be any colour in addition to its its base colour. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's about trying to like... And all the cards that were on the table might be a little bit buried under other cards, so maybe you're trying to like put cards in your hand that you don't actually want just to move them somewhere else to get to that thing that's buried. Or you might play a card that goes, put some extra cards off of the stack under this one. Yeah. Further burying something that someone else might be trying to dig out. Yeah, it's it's... A game of managing your hand, but also trying to go, okay, I want the game state to be such so that when I have a hand I think can win, I'm ready to initiate the end of the game, rather than someone initiating it before I get a chance mm. to finish my manoeuvre. Yeah, and and you can see the end coming. Yeah. Like, it's, it's coming from a long way off, because as soon as the uh, fleet track hits seven... 
and or somebody gets seven um, helium, in- helium, and, and yeah. or seven things in the institute. Yeah. And if one person has completed two of these things, all, then it's game over. All, or all three things have happened somewhere yes. in amongst yeah. the players. That is the game. See, end. Yeah. All all of the like how close you are to the end is very visible on the table. Yep. It's just a case of do I have time to do one more trade of cards into my hand before someone else. Do you have a to end better this? hand than everyone else at the table? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a neat game. It's... Yeah, it plays in like, what, 30, 40 minutes? I, yeah, if that. Possibly it's, even it's... less than that. Yeah, I'd say like half an hour at the top end. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, maybe it was 40 minutes yeah. including relearning it. Like it's, it's a real crunchy from moment one kind of game. It mm-hmm. feels like you need to hit the ground running and get straight into the big choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't hang around long enough for you to like feel like you could have done much better yeah. it, all the information yeah. is very pleasant uh, uh, present and um, presented to you apart from obviously what other people have got in their hands there's, there's no time to hang around making a complicated plan you go what have i got start leaning into what i can yeah and i think the thing um because because the whole thing was that it was a case of i want to go through some games that we haven't played for a while yeah and Red Rising is one of those ones that I think we were, we were right in the middle of the Zatu boxes, so we yes. were getting through a lot of board games, and it only got out once. Yes. The first time we played it, we played through um, like together, yeah. then I played through in solo mode, Yeah. and, and it, then it sat on the shelf unplayed like, since, it's... and it got to the point where I was like, do I actually want to keep this in my collection? Because we haven't played it since. I think the Let's answer's... pop it down. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, like, it was entirely a circumstance of we were in the middle of a year of, regu- like, more games showing up every month for mm. a while, and there wasn't time to sit with things sometimes. Well, also, there hasn't been, like, much time to play things other than what we currently have going, because we've got yeah. Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, which is an ongoing campaign yeah. we have with um, two friends. Yeah. We have the fact that there is a group that we mo- mainly play legacy games with now. Hmm. They used to be like our nearby local friends that we play the board games with. And now it's like, well, we've got Clank Legacy on the go. <laughs> uh, they got Pandemic... We played through Pandemic Legacy Season 1 with them. We've got Seasons 2 and 0. They waiting. got Season 2 for like a birthday, I think. Yeah. We got them Season 0 for a different birthday. Yeah. Um, we've also got like Betrayal Legacies like, yeah. sitting aside. We haven't had much time for one-off games, which is a shame because I know they also want to learn Spirit Island, which is yeah. one of my favourite well, games from I, last year. Yeah, we need to make time for a one-off game day. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe once we get through Clank, we'll just be like, we're going to have a little palette refresh. Yeah. I think that's a good call. Let's finish one legacy game, have a couple of sessions where we play one-offs, yeah. then dive into the next legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, what else have you played? Um, what else? You I've played the cat playing. game, didn't you? Uh, I've, I've been playing the, the cat game. I haven't had time to finish the cat game, but I have started playing Stray. Um, I would explain what, I will explain what this is, but I feel like the whole internet is aware of this game. It's a cyberpunk future. You are a cat. And there's no peoples. There's no peoples. There are robots. You are a cat. Go have a, go have a wander. Um, there is a, a plot and a thing you're trying to get to. You get separated from the rest of your kitty cat family, yeah. and you're trying to no. you're trying you fell down a big hole, and you're trying to make your way back up to get back to your other kitty cats. And you get a little backpack. You get a little backpack and a little robot friend, and you go off on adventures. 
in a world full of robots and there's yeah. some spooky oh I don't know what those those little creatures are I don't know what those oh. are but it's okay you're a cat it's yeah. fine um everything's better I, when you're a cat the world building and like the environmental design in this game is fantastic it is gorgeous mm. it is very satisfying to move around in um the platforming is very good you leap from cat shaped object to cat shaped object very uh, like Objects that are perfect size for a cat to be on. I see. Very elegantly. Uh, the game is designed to be like you leap from object to object and you're not going to miss anything. You just have to find the next cat size thing to leap to. Okay. Um, you have a dedicated meow button. Mm-hmm. Which, much like Untitled Goose Game, you give me a button to make an animal noise on command, your game is instantly a thousand percent better. I saw a video of someone uh, just like, their cat walked up and sat next to another cat, and the other cat gave him a little clean. Yeah, that's adorable. It's, it is a very if if you are a cat person. Hello. Yeah, it's a very good game for just hello. I would like to be a cat for a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on adventures, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I am a cat. Um, like, and the way it, the way it's structured is there is plot and dialogue happening around you, but like. The vibe I've gotten is entirely this cat has no fucking idea what any of them are talking about. The cat's off on an adventure. You can talk around me. I'm, I'm being a cat. I'll see you in a bit. I was reading a thing that someone had um, translated a lot of the signs. Yes. Um, the language has been worked out. Although some of them are just another sign or, or the, the text from another sign rotated. Yeah. And some of them are just like gibberish. Yeah. Because they like the symbols. But I feel like that kind of spoils the point of I'm a cat, I can't read. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a kitty cat. Or an okay cat. Yeah. I, I don't want to know what any of them say. I'm a cat. Meow. I don't read. I uh, jump meow. around on things. I know, and I get clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I scratch trees when I get a chance or scratch at people's it's, rugs. It's good to, good to make if sure that your If you play it on the stretch. PS5, the triggers um, have resistance for when you're scratching the tree. Oh. That's, that's very satisfying. That's good on the claws, that. That's good. What about you? What have you been playing? Well, we also played the Power Rangers deck building game. We did! Another one we haven't had out for a while. Yeah, I think we... I got you that for UDP or your birthday last year, uh, possibly? I believe it was a UDP one. Um, but yeah, that is one that we have played a couple of times with me as the Power Rangers and you as the villains. Yes. And we swapped it round this time because yes. it's an asymmetrical deck builder. Yeah. Um, I found playing as the villains real fun. It was a definitely a slightly different set of mechanics I was working yeah. for, but um, yeah, we talked like, about Even though you basically have the same starter cards, yeah, like they're just reflavoured for each yeah. character, ultimately you there are very different like strats you need to go for. Yes. Despite pulling from basically the same stack. Yeah. The, the main difference is that the Power Rangers have a series of very powerful abilities that don't cost anything to activate, um, but to reset them all does require resources. Yep. And it, that can get very powerful, but it does need recharging. Mm-hmm. Um, the villain side have a bunch of abilities that like, will basically do more damage the more villains are collected, mm-hmm. or will make powerful things easier to do so that they can start spamming away at, at powerful things. Yes. Um, and it's a race against time to... Chip away at the other person's deck. Yeah. Um, I, we've talked about this game before. I like that there are ways to put filler cards in the other person's deck. A stun to, card, yeah. yeah. to weaken their, their deck out. I like that mechanic. I like that you have 
two separate resources. You've got like buying things from the shop row and you've got activating your abilities and those are two mm-hmm. separate things to manage. And you can like save up some of your energy. So yeah. right from the beginning of the game, if you are generating energy uh, that you would use for special attacks later on, yeah. you it's not going to waste. It's just add, getting added to this charger. Yeah. And maybe you will get to a point where that's starting to top out a bit, but by then... You really should have bought something. Yeah, well, that, that's how I was playing this this game of it we played the other day, was that I was stacking a bunch of, like, this permanent energy before I had mm-hmm. anything to spend it on. Oh, yeah, you had a full meter at one point, Yeah, didn't you? so that when I had, once I saw good stuff to buy, I was like, I could just hit the ground running using it turn after turn. <laughs> I got a move fairly early on, and I was just like, I'm going to use all of my energy immediately. All of my energy, all of my energy, I'm just going to keep attacking you and hope for the best. I mean, we had a fairly mm. close game. Like, we were oh, within, yeah. like, a turn ish of either of us could have won. Yes. It was it was a very close game. It yeah. felt very well paced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that game a lot. It's a great game. Yeah. Uh, it's and from what I hear, Renegade did a really good job of when Hasbro just went, here are all our licenses, make deck building games. I hear that Renegade have actually done a really good job of making them all very distinct from each other. Yeah. And I believe that having played this, like making it an asymmetric game with like dedicated mechanics based on the the two sides i believe that they put they clearly put the work in i kind of want to try the uh, my little pony friendship is magic <gasps> deck builder i'm up for and i kind of want to try the transformers um Warf- i think it's more for cybertron I'm, possibly just transformers deck building i'm up for trying either of them with you they sound that sounds fascinating if we if we find a, a clear space in our gaming schedule <laughs> once we've cleared through some of the other things yeah. Uh, then, then that will be an option. So, what else? What uh, else I'll, I'll try and get through some of the other ones pretty quick. I, pl- I started playing a game called Frog Gun. Uh, the words Frog and Gun mashed together. This is the one that's got sort of vaguely PS2 I, graphics. I, I'd say PS like top end PS one. Top end PS one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's. A colourful um, sort of isometric perspective game. You've got dual analog control, so you can sort of move the camera around. But it's light platforming, and I, I'd say shooting with a gun that is a frog. That when you pull the trigger, it sticks its tongue out, and that can be used to like grab things or pull you across ledges or grab an enemy and then spit them out at a wall. Um, it is used for platforming and for combat. Okay, and you have little sandbox a little toy box environment levels that feel most closely comparable to something like Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker Mm -hmm. um go try and collect all of the hidden collectibles in the level and get to the end of the level um I generally feel like it plays very well um I have one major problem with it and my biggest problem is this game could do with like like a percentage more checkpoints Ah. um it's is the best way I can explain it is it is a game that um, the platforming is not always 100% perfect and you sometimes have to finagle the camera a little bit to see where you're platforming mm-hmm. and if you miss a jump you lose all progress since the last checkpoint oh, bam. and the very first level of the game for example has no checkpoints whatsoever oh bam oh you missed one jump in the level then like you've got a health bar like it seems like one of those games where you could just go you fell we'll put you back on the thing and you've lost a ch- one of your three chunks of health there's no that there are checkpoints in longer later's level on, uh, uh, levels later on but like they're not 
frequent enough for me to not get annoyed. It it feels a little too punishing for me to enjoy it, in that I make one mistake and I feel like I lose an unearned amount of progress is lost. Like, more progress Oof. than I should lose. Yeah, I don't think that's for me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a shame, because, like, it's charming, it's sweet, it's colourful, it's got a lot of heart. Like, the fact that this game, as default, has a speed run timer on screen tells me that I was not the target audience for this, which is a real mm-hmm. shame, considering everything I saw about it was like, yay, happy, fun, prog times. Like, I feel like if I could just turn on something that either gave me more checkpoints or was like, hey, you can have one fall off a ledge and you'll get put back, it's the second one that knocks you back to the last checkpoint, mm-hmm. that, that, that little bit of forgiveness would be enough for me to really like this. Hmm. Um, you played anything else this week? Uh, we played some Canvas. We did! Uh, we, this is one we've not cracked out in a while. It is a beautiful little game about making pieces of art. Yeah. So you have uh, three background canvases, which are literally just oh. daubed canvases. of. You might have like a little bit of texture in there of, of slightly different shades, but they are generally like... Here is a, a slightly pink or a purple or a, or a greyish blue. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter which one you pick, but you need to make three paintings and you, you are picking up these transparent cards with little images on them and they might yeah. have part of a name on. Yeah. So you might have one that's like Deceit and it's like a bony hand rising out of the ground or Hope and it's someone up a ladder. Yeah. And these all layer on top of each other to make a piece of art, but also at the bottom of the card there are symbols and colours that layer on top of each other, depending on how you've stacked them, that might lead to point-scoring conditions for your piece of art. Yes, and there's five different positions they can be in, and that might be... uh, Is it five? Possibly six, actually. Uh, Might be six. uh, I think it's five, because the symmetry card we had before was the outermost pair, the next pair in... And the centre wasn't Good prepared with anything. Yeah, so the, you, there are five possible symbols, and some of them, as you say, like depending on which scoring cards you've got, because they're randomly shuffled yeah. out, you have four different scoring cards. So you might have the category of, as you said, symmetry. So yes. if you've got matching symbols on the two outer points and the two next inner points, then Both you might of those get... pairs are worth points. Exactly. Um, and then earn yeah. enough points and... and at the end of the game, you are victorious. You might have a square next to a circle. Uh, it might be a point-scoring thing, or have all five of the colours filled in with something. Or all uh, of them be something different. But you're trying to layer these cards to be like, how do I put these together to get that result? Like, which one do I put on top? Which one do I put in the middle? Which one do I put below to not have uh, the top one block something I need on the bottom one? And if it doesn't matter... Yeah. Because sometimes you might have a duplicated thing on two different cards and you can put it in two different orders. Yeah. Then it's just about aesthetically where you want to put it. Exactly. And on which background yeah. you want to put it. And we've got the deluxe edition. Um, that comes that's with little just, easels. That's just the version we got. Um, yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, as you say, it comes with these little easels. So when you get to the, the scoring section, you just put your little painting on the on the easel and... <laughs> And oh, score it. Oh, look at my little painting. Oh, look at my little painting. And yeah. some of those paintings are charming, and some of them are terrifying. <laughs> uh, there's a point buying system of like, um, you've got a shop row of these various art cards out in front of you, and you yes. can always take the one on the left for free. Yep. 
but you've got these little canvas tokens, these little easel tokens. Uh, pallets. Yeah, pallet tokens. That, like, if you want to take something further down the row, you've got to put a pallet on each thing to get to the one you want to take. Yep. But then other people can take cards that have those pallets on them, and then they've got resources to take things further and down the row. And if you run out, you could end up like me in the last game. Forced to take cards you don't want, because yep. you have no resources to get I have to ones. take this one now. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but it's a beautiful game, it's, and... It's, it's not one we play a lot, but I always have a really nice time when we play I it. I really want to try it in higher player counts, because I, yeah. I just think it would be fun to try out. Yeah. I think the the legacy game, board game friends we have, I think would really do I it. I think they'd love it. Yeah. It's so charming. Yeah. And that plays, I think, two to five? But you could probably just sit down and have some fun and... Yeah. Just build some things for, for enjoyment. <laughs> I'm arting, yay! It was quite funny. I think, was it our second game? We just should dealt out the transparencies. Oh, You put six out and we just looked at it. It's just like, is this an episode of the Magnus Archives? Oh yeah, we had quite a Magnus archives set of like, oh, every one of these cards we're turning over is just a different thing to be afraid of. Okay, fear, buried, deceit. <laughs> Uh, there was a, like a clown or something. I was like, mm, "Yep, it, it was I all, see it. it." was all fears all the way down. I see it. Uh, so, what is this endling? Uh, so I haven't had a lot of time to talk uh, to, to play through this. So okay, I might save this talking about this in any depth until next week. Okay, it is a game where you are a, a, a mother fox who's just had three <gasps> little cubs, and uh, you are trying to keep your cubs alive and safe. Um, you've got a look on your face. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the game was where, like, there was two of them. I think the first one was foxes and the second one was badgers. Yeah. And you're trying to keep your, like, little family together as you escape across fields from, from birds and lightning no. and stuff. Yeah, so this this one, the, the deal is, like, you, you start this having, like, made a little nest, to, a little space to live in. And you as the parental fox are going out, trying to find food, trying to get back to the burrow in time for nightfall, mm -hmm. etc. And then, an event occurs. One mm. of your cubs is stolen by a human. No! And now you have to go on a quest with your babies to go and rescue your stolen baby. And for a game with completely non-wordless uh, storytelling... It absolutely nails telling a narrative, hitting a tone, being very impactful. I want to finish it before I say any more, so I've started playing Endling. I need to find time to finish it. Mm -hmm. Have you played anything else? Yes. Speaking of adorable woodland animals, I have started playing Bear and Breakfast. <gasps> yeah, I have this downloaded. I've started it. I haven't played nearly enough. I, you will know more than I do about it at this point. Uh, so I am really enjoying it so far um it's got a weird charm to it it, it is slow it is a yes. slow start like i feel like i've been playing it i mean partly because i think the night i first started playing it we were also watching something on tv yeah. kind of i mean the the first night you started playing it you were hours in and you were like i finally have my first building and i was like ah oh, somewhere to serve breakfast and you were like oh i can't do that yet oh no i have people i have a place for people to sleep yeah so then for, okay, well, we'll talk about the accessibility <laughs> issue. So, I was sitting a little bit back from my... <laughs> yes. uh, what is it? 28-inch yeah. monitor? It's not huge, yeah. but it's not tiny. Um, it had defaulted to 1080p. Yeah. 
which is on the relative small size because that's a 4K monitor. And the intro has all these little bits with speech bubbles. Yep. And I could not see any of them. And I could not work out how to zoom in because you do not get to see the menu. You can't hit escape to get to the menu. Yes. Always put your accessibility settings before the game starts so that your intro isn't lost. I mean, uh, the, uh, like, I had hit start, new game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but but I hadn't you tweaked. Had no way to know. I didn't know that I was going to be encountering this. So as soon as I realised uh, that I was encountering a problem, I oh, tried to... You can't go, I'm going to pause and tweak the settings during this. Yeah. Oh, so hurts. there was none of that. And I just felt like that I'd missed the whole intro. Yeah. I, I think it's a dream sequence. Okay. It's also very dark. So you are this tiny little bear on this huge screen in a in an entirely black area with speech bubbles maybe about as wide as a thumb. Oh no. It's like, I can't read this. Oops. And then I was like, I hope this improves. Later on, you do get like little like uh like, like a, dating stim yeah. style a text bar box. across the bottom of the screen. A bar at yeah. the bottom and and pictures of the two people speaking. Yeah. And that's very legible. Yes. But for some reason speech bubbles absolutely not. I complained on Steam and I have already had a response from the developer who were like, we'll try and make it scalable. Yay! Awesome. That's, Thank you. That's always good when the devs that that responsive to stuff. It like sounds this. like there have been a lot of problems yeah. with this game for a lot of people. Yeah. But the devs are making an effort to respond to that. Yeah. So I hope that from whatever started with this, that yeah. I mean, I haven't had any like issues of crashing or slowdown yeah. or stutter or random menu items just vanishing, which apparently was a thing for a while. But um, yeah, the issues I was having, I was glad that they responded to that. And hopefully something happens reasonably quickly. Yeah. But yeah, outside of the slow intro, it's a game about a bear wants a bed and breakfast. Uh, so it's adorable. So the bear miss lives in in uh, the oh, what's it called? Li- bear lives in basically a bit of the woods, a deeper bit yeah. of the woods, with bear mum and a a flightless bird whose name escapes me, and uh, I think sh- they're a, a wolf. It's found family, is what it is. A character called Annie, who is kind of like a boisterous wolf, possibly. Yeah, I think um, I think wolf. And um, the basically the other two are just like, "Hey, let's go on an adventure. We'll go do some things." And Hank the bear is like, "No, Mum said not to go do the thing." And then there is this walk through a a swamp, which is very difficult to do because there are obstacles. And I did eventually realise that you can use the mouse wheel to to zoom in. Uh, Which is how I eventually started being able to read most, not all, of the speech bubbles. uh, Part of the problem with that is, sometimes it just locks that off. Oh no. So you'd be in a wide area and it's like, speech bubble, speech bubble, speech bubble, speech bubble. But but I didn't get to see that. A lot of the time now it's like, oh, ah, that was a speech bubble thing. I will zoom in and click it again. Ah, Thank you for this <laughs> tiny piece of information. I appreciate it. It's like, it's like two point size. Uh, it's really small. Um, like I realise I wear glasses for reading, but like even so, I, it's it a seems, lot. It, yeah, yeah. So um, they discover this inflatable shark with a speaker box on the front of it. Yeah. Um, the the shark's like, "Hey, do you want to be exploited for money?" Not much money, barely more than most restaurant workers making tips. But would you be like to be exploited for that? Hmm? 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 
cool, start an Airbnb. And I, part of me feels like they wanted to call this game Bear B&B and didn't get away with it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Bear and Breakfast is a... Works perfectly. I mean, you had two superb puns there, either one. Absolutely. Works. So it, the, the concept is that the shark company, which is called Pawn Something, mm. P-A-W-N, um, are trying to get you to open up basically Airbnbs. So the first thing is renovate a shed. Yeah. Grab all the dirt out of the shed. Speak to the beaver who will fix it up. Mm. Get rid of all the holes and stuff. And then it's like, here is a tutorial on how to build a bed. And some other furniture. Now here is a tutorial to build a little room. And it's done kind of like theme hospital or a two-point hospital. Yeah. Draw the room out. Put the object in. To be a bedroom, it has to have at least a bed in it. And a door. Yeah. Like, um... Weirdly, the thing I think of is Dragon Quest Builders 2, that... Yeah. Yeah. Does it have walls and the required openings and the required things inside? Yes. And then it'll become that space. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And then eventually it will be like, hey, you can go and forage for certain sites. You know you've been picking up all those cans and apple cores and random shit that no one seems to want? Well, there, let me tell you... (laughs) There is a, a trash raccoon uh, <laughs> over at the dumpster who will swap you cool stuff that they have foraged uh, in exchange for trash for these random bits of trash. Like so, sometimes when a guest leaves the room, they'll yeah. will have left like empty cans and shit. Pick that up, take the, take it over to to get like a new clock for your room. Yay! And now you can sell that room at a higher price because it has a higher decoration value. <laughs> this sounds very two point hospital. Yes. Yeah. So you are basic your your missions are get a like working hotel sorted out. Yeah. Improve the rooms that you've got and then start improving the area. Okay. Don't improve the area too quickly otherwise you will run into a problem which I almost got into. Yeah. Of making the area too popular, so the people coming to visit my hotel expected things that I could not yet afford to build. Ah. Uh. Uh, and also, just a little hint for anyone, because I don't think this is mentioned anywhere. If you find yourself in a situation where you don't have quite enough money, yeah, and you realise you might have softlocked the game, go and see Mum, she'll give you some pocket money. Oh. She'll literally be like, finally, how I, I, I have... The only purpose an adult still has to their grown-up moved-away child, <laughs> I can give you pocket money. Yeah. It's like, wow, I feel very called out from my 20s here. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, like, there were a couple of times where I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I accidentally bought new blueprints to build new things to go in my hotel, and now I can't afford to build the mission-critical thing. Help, mum. Well, I was wandering around for, like, nearly an hour going, oh, God, what do I do? And eventually wandered home to mum and was just like, I'm just going to chat to mum. And she immediately get like, she will just top you up to 150 gold, no matter how much you've got. Which is enough to get you moving. Yes. Luckily, I haven't needed to do that for a while. But it was it was nice to sort of just go, oh, I'm not completely softlocked. I, I'm glad that's a thing that exists. Because I was about know. ready to just reset and try again and yeah. sit right on top of the monitor and maybe watch the intro. <laughs> now, I, now I know for future. Uh, yeah, and... Like once you get a whole area done, you are basically encouraged to move on to the next area and clear out whatever they've got, and maybe there will be new things. Yeah. Like the, the, I'm now two areas on from that opening area, mm. and I have built a diner, 
but I there, there's no food in it and no one's working there and no one's going to eat there. So I suspect that's a thing to happen a bit later. Yeah. Um, but I now have uh, the ability to open uh, hotels that have uh, bathrooms. So, like, people moving, uh, uh, who are visiting will demand that you have, uh, like, washroom facilities. You don't have to go shit in the woods. And they have to be proximate. Well, there's usually an outhouse. (laughs) Um, You you have to make sure that their rooms are proximate enough to the toilets that they fall within that influence range. And you can get that that number up. So, do they have shower facilities, toilets, bath, etc.? And depending on, like, the number of things you've got in that bathroom... The higher the influence, the further the influence will spread out, and the higher the number will be. Um, but also, there's a bar now. Oh, it's like a self-service bar, so people can go in there and and drink, and then go and use the toilets. Yay! <laughs> I assume at some point I will get to feed these people in that diner what I did open. Probably. Um, but I've now got onto like another area after that, and there's like a two-story building to renovate. Um, so it's I'm I'm curious what's going on. I, I need to get into this properly. It sounds adorable. Yeah, you get to meet the mafia possum and uh, the the strange old lady who seems to have been here forever and the um, the park ranger who can understand you. Aha. Uh-huh. So here's the, the thing that absolutely fucking sold me on this game. Right. And the thing I've taken of more screenshots of than anything else. Oh, I when know Hank, what this is. When Hank talks to most humans... You will get a like. How do you? They, they, they might ask you a question and for some reason. You get sentences to and respond. You get sentences to, to respond to, and you pick one, and then it just goes appreciative bear noises <laughs> or sad bear noises. It is such good reaction image, babe. Oh, the the images are beautiful. Yeah. Like uh, approving bear noises is just like arms up in the air, yay! Um, and then there's like a little red cheek embarrassed one, yeah. and then just like a slumped forward one. For sad bear noises, and I just love that (laughs) as as a whole mechanic of the humans are talking to you. You have responded, and sometimes they'll get the gist of it, and sometimes they won't at all. And those I think are the most fun ones because you just get what type of bear noise they have understood. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the park ranger can absolutely understand you, so you just have full conversations with her. And so far I have found cosmetically a trucker hat with a little fish on it and a pair of shorts. And now that I am wearing human clothes, the humans that are coming to visit my hotel have stopped running away when I'm nearby. (gasps) Yay! Because at first I was like, well, I need to go and do hotel things because I'm a hotelier. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. Apparently I'm just a terrifying bear. I'll put this hat on. Greetings, how do you do, fellow human? <laughs> I mean, that, that ha- bear's wearing a hat. How, how scary could it be? Greeting it's bear like noises. <laughs> Welcoming bear noises. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that is a, a charming little game. And it's only about 15 quid. So yeah. if you're looking for a sort of budget, I guess it's an indie title. I believe so. Uh, go, go, go give it a look. What about you? What else have you played? I think that's everything I've played. Everything you've played? Yeah, what about you? Have you played uh, I'm not going to talk about the other thing. Yeah? Ever. Well then, t- time for this. Do you want to tell your hair cool colours? Yeah. Want more tattoos? Yeah. Extra piercings? Yeah. Body mods? Yeah. Are you held back by small-minded employers? Yeah. 
Spray your boss with my choice. Just one spray and they won't be able to see your awesome mods. Their brain will airbrush them out and you can just get on with being a badass in totally control of your body. The choice is yours with my choice. So, um, what have you got to show us today? Oh, well, um, I found this up in uh, up in the loft. I think uh, oh. uh, one of my relatives must have left it there. Oh, lovely! And it looks to be a, com- a complete one. Uh, do yes. you do you know much about uh, this well, small I, box? I, I, I don't know. This, the, the, I've got this. It has uh, some sort of control of some sort, and it's got mm. Uh, mm. the letters O U Y A. top. Can you can your experts tell us anything? Can you can you tell us anything about this? Well, as you've rightly surmised from the uh, the iconography upon the uh, controller there, that is in fact the the Ouya controller from the uh, ill-fated Ouya console, a, a strange cube, uh, which was uh, one of the earliest uh, Kickstarter success stories. It made a huge amount of money and was expected to run uh, uh, Android games, such as were found on uh, mobile phones in the uh, very early 21st century. Oh, goodness. I I ponder how many decades old this must be at this point. Uh, Indeed. And and do you you still have the uh, the, the cube itself? Oh, uh, I mean, maybe. I don't have it here. I I didn't... A cube didn't look out of place. I just... I saw a weird thing with controls and buttons, and, and mm, that was what mm, stood out mm, to mm, me. Mm. I, I suppose it's going to be worth less if it's an incomplete set. Well, at, at this stage, I mean, it's very difficult to uh, find uh, a complete set. Uh, although the uh, controller was notorious for having uh, input lag, uh, that was, was, of course, before uh, neural implants uh, resolved all of those issues, except for everyone with ADHD, of course. <laughs> I would expect a, an object like this, assuming the uh, the battery hasn't exploded inside the uh, case there, I expect you could probably get somewhere in the region of uh, four to five hundred lira yen uh, for, for a piece like this, at, if, it, if it were to go to auction, uh, and I would say that you could probably quintuple that if you have the uh, Ouya console Ooh, itself. Well, I'll go looking, I'll go looking for sure. And uh, who's who, who else has uh, something? If you'd like to... Come, come forward there. Uh, yes, I've, 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 again, this was sort of passed down through my family. I don't know entirely what it is, but it's some. It's, it's got a screen. It's got buttons on either side. It's got oh. entire sort of numbers and letters. Oh, it's, it's, oh it's, it's, it's still got some battery in it. That's that is exactly what I would have expected. This yes. is a. Uh, this is of course the uh, Nokia Engage. Uh, at the time, it was uh, considered the uh, cutting edge of uh, portable handheld gaming. Everyone was uh, very excited to be getting these. Nokia had, uh, of course, been using uh, incredible uh, battery powers as as, as, as you can the... see. It's it's still working to this yeah, day. Yeah, and yeah. I believe it had approximately six games and it is, is quite unique. Uh, unlike its uh, cousin, I suppose you could say, the, the uh, Gizmondo, it didn't uh, literally melt uh, a century ago, shortly after manufacture, uh, indeed, uh, the uh, uh, Nokia Engage is uh, quite a thing. Although, did you know this is also a primitive communication device? Oh! Just hold it like this, like an extra ear on oh, the side of your head. Put it up, to, uh, put it to my yes, face. Yes, you see, and, and then oh, it's, you could. It's you, almost like a telephone. Almost like a, a very strange telephone that's slightly too long and looks like you have a, a strange digital ear. Which, of course, many of us do have these days. Uh, uh, and have you thought about uh, selling it at all? Have you had it valued or insured? Uh, 
no, no, I, I, I didn't know anything about it going in. I mean, I don't have any way to put more power into this, even if it does still have a little left in it, so it's not much use to me. I'll probably put it up for sale. Well, if you if you were able to find the uh, original uh, DC charging unit for it, you could be looking somewhere in the region of a quarter of a million uh, lira yen. Oh, goodness, goodness, wow, wonderful. And uh, I think we've just about have time for... For one more uh, article on tonight's antique red show, uh, if you could come oh, forward, please. Um, yes, um, I, I, if if not for the fact that it had um the the year two thousand four written on the back of it, I would have assumed this was a fairly modern guitar. In that it's a guitar with without any without any strings. I didn't think they had any any anything like uh, any any of this sort of technology back then in the day. Oh goodness, these it's 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 impressive to to see any of these uh, left over. Uh, a lot of them were uh, destroyed in the great collapse of the uh, CEX, the Computer Exchange, in the uh, late twenty first century. The uh, Guitar Hero controller, as you can see here, uh, the uh, uh, the identifying uh, harmonics on the back there. Uh, the buttons here would be uh, pressed in time to uh, some music and, and icons shown on on a screen. And uh, then you, this bar here, you see how this, oh, yes, and yes, you, how yes. it clicks with the the micro switches within. That would be used to strum the guitar, uh, as opposed to the more usual laser method as as is used uh, today. Uh, and and uh, do you happen to have the original any of the original game discs? Uh, no, I don't. I assumed it was a standalone product that existed on its own. Ah, oh, yeah, yes. I was a... disappointed I couldn't make it make music by itself. I, I, I quite understand. It was, uh, it was, it was an amazing thing. There was a while where uh, every household had at least six of these. I think they were issued by the government of, of several countries. Uh, unfortunately, uh, today you would be l lucky to get uh, maybe two Lyrigan in store credits. Oh. Oh. Well, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for coming along to tonight's uh, Antiques Roadshow. Uh, please join us next week when we will be porting from New Berlin on the Tropic of Capricorn. So, <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? Oh, I've got to find the list of things I've put in my eyes. The eye list? Yeah, the eye list. Where's my eye list? Where's your eye list? Ah. Uh, I've been watching some stuff on YouTube because uh, I found I found a nice little series to have on in the background that's been a nice introduction to stuff I don't know very well. Right. Uh, it is a series called uh, "Trying to Stan" by a YouTube channel called The Third Bill. Okay. And it is just a very gentle man with a with a with a beard who doesn't know a lot of pop culture right. and takes recommendations and goes in with a very open mind to go. Lots of people love this thing. Can I go in and understand why you love it? Mm. And he does this a lot with like move. Uh, he'll he'll do TV shows sometimes, but a lot of what he does is music. And he'll go through, watch music videos, read lyrics, listen to songs, and try and go. Even if this isn't a hundred percent for me, can I sit with it and understand why people like it and find an appreciation for thing I might not have tried? Huh. And he's just a very very enjoyable person to watch slowly discover pieces of media mm -hmm. um he's also very prone to this has made me feel an emotion and i'm just gonna be very public about that 
in very sweet ways. Yeah. Um, I've watched one of him trying to get into um, the music of Adventure Time, and there's a couple of songs from that that just had him full on crying, and I was like, Aww. oh, it's okay, I understand. I understand, we were there too, not yeah. long ago. Um, yeah, it's it's just good, wholesome, it's good, sweet, wholesome, I guess I would call it reaction content, but it's not so much in that it's like he'll he'll enjoy a piece of media and then like really dig down into it for a while mm. and it's just very pleasant mm. what about you what have you watched i have watched a bunch of videos by a youtuber called liam triforce tell me about liam triforce i can't tell you anything about them personally i haven't looked that far tell um, me about the content of liam triforce uh a bunch of mo- mostly uh uh videos about or analyzing uh why is zelda's good why are those all those oh, good? Oh, this person. I've caught some of you yes. watching this. Yes. Uh, so uh, I have watched uh, yet another Ocarina of Time retrospective where they acknowledge that everyone has made retrospectives of Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Uh, the powerful responsibility of Twilight Princess where they talk. Mm. He, he talks about um, that Link being the most mature. Mm. Like, whereas a lot of the Links before that had been... Uh, I'm asleep. I don't want to go and do the call to adventure. Yeah. Uh, he, that link already has a job. Yeah. He already looks after the kids. He, you know, is ready to just leap into action as soon as something happens to a member of his community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 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 like how that affects the game and that sort of sense and also just the general depression of that game as a whole. The, the obviously all the yeah. the dead people who don't know they're dead and and um mi- the way midna got into the situation that she's in yeah and just the 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 throwaway nature of zamp yeah from from ganon's point of view of yeah. just like you are, well i've used you as a puppet goodbye uh phantom hourglass and spirit tracks the dual successors mm-hmm. which just breaks down both of those games in ways that i had not because I haven't played much of Spirit Tracks. Yeah. Spoiler, I was going through a very messy divorce. I bought a DS in order to distract myself and an R4 card. And Spirit Tracks was one of those games that took people a while to crack really well. Uh, for a while, you would get on the first train and it would eternally go nowhere. Yep. You would get stuck on the uh, the, the eternal train tracks. Yeah, or things would just... Like permanently kill you. Yeah. Um. Like that. I. I feel like Nintendo did a good job of that. So I've not played as much of that. Or you just get ones that would just get like three hours in and then just yeah. die completely. P- did play uh, Phantom Hourglass. Did pay for that one actually. <laughs> really enjoyed it. But um, I can see the argument about there was a lot of repetition in the, the big tower. There was. But, but... also. The best thing about that specifically was the making notes on your second screen. <gasps> yes. Just the amount of times where it's like, oh, I don't have to have a bit of paper to one side of me where I'm making a map like I did with Wind Waker. Yeah. And still do. Like, it, it's yeah. handy to just make your own map. I wish that was a thing in more games. Yes. But I think the DS was perfectly suited to that. Yeah. And I suppose in handheld mode, the, the switches Switch. and I Wii guess you. the... The um the Steam Deck is because yeah. that's touch screen as well. There's been a few things that could have made use of that and haven't, and I want to see it come back one of these days. Uh, the emotional wisdom of Skyward Sword mm-hmm. was just a nice video about all all things Skyward Sword. It was a a really 
sweet uh, video talking about how um, he'd been uh, recovering from illness at the time it came out and had massive problems mobility-wise dealing with the motion controls in this game and just wishing there was an alternative. Um, but still managing somehow to like fight through that, yeah. and still having a good enough time that he still thinks of it quite fondly. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that it's basically three large areas, and you just go back to them again and again and again. Yeah. In slightly different I ways. Mean, despite that, I I still it's still one of my favorites. Well, I mean, if you look at Majora's Mask, which we will come to the video for in yeah. a second, uh, the bittersweet comfort of Majora's Mask. Yeah. Um. Like he talks about the fact that that's really only four dungeons. Yeah, but you you ha- and you have to do them multiple times yeah. if you want to get like the full ending ending, and just that that's really, uh, it's it's a beautiful game and that having a game that repeats content or makes you do things in slightly different ways is not the worst thing in the world. No. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the Majora's Mask video. That's like an hour long. Most of these are like an hour or two hours long. The Wind Waker video, Courageous Heart of Wind uh, Wind Waker, is an hour and 55 minutes long. Um, I think that's all the ones of those I've watched so far. The only other one of his videos I watched, uh, or actually, fuck, there's two. Um, One of them is Understanding the Music of Doom, Mm -hmm. like Doom 2016. Yeah. And the other one is the actually about the game Doom 2016. Uh, I can't find the... Is it the Doom Retrospective? It might be the Doom Retrospective. Um, I hadn't realised some of the instrumental choices that were in the 2016 yeah. Doom. Because yeah. I didn't watch the GZC video. <laughs> As someone who like has done a bit of sound design and makes music when there's time. Um, like Mick Gordon's like, what do you mean you want me to make a Doom soundtrack with no guitar in it? What what do you mean? And then just them just going like, okay, I will take some noise and some sound wave, uh, sine waves, and I will run it through this string of effects to make. Uh, what did someone call it? Like glitch tar. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it like sounds kind of chuggy, yeah. but also kind of glitchy and sort of those sorts of things. And also just the fact that the way Doom 2016 used music anyway, where you uh, like F mod style stuff. Yeah. So it's like what happened, what is happening environmentally to you is triggering different parts of the music yes. to play. So you might get more aggressive because you're acting more aggressively. You've done like a longer string of kills. Having variations of the same track that you can sort of blend in layers to sort of build between a full separate yeah. stems that you can just yeah. throw together and bring in together yeah. and like extra layers that you can put on top of things yeah. so you can understand why there was so much trouble putting a soundtrack together for that yeah. because it wasn't designed for that <laughs> um, and like some of the other things like oh he, uh, he he wasn't allowed a guitar so he sampled a chainsaw <laughs> Of course. They they did eventually just go, okay, you've got the bass level down, that's fine, we'll let you have a little bit of guitar. Because <laughs> there was a point where I was just like, what do you mean there's no guitars in the soundtrack? There are definitely guitars. A lot of the things that I had assumed were guitar sounds aren't necessarily guitar sounds. Sometimes it's a sample chainsaw or the navel mowing the fucking lawn oh. run through a bunch of effects. <laughs> and 
that's very cool. I need to watch the GDC for that now because that is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. yeah, So I have had fun watching a bunch of videos about games I have already played and enjoyed. (laughs) And I just like sometimes like hearing someone else and that analyzer thing and making maybe going, huh? Exactly. What have you watched? Uh, we watched season one of The Bad Batch. We did the, watch season one of The, the Bad Batch. The animated awesome. Star Warsy thing. Yeah. Um, here is how I will summarize it for anyone who hasn't seen it. You got a bunch of big, gruff, angry men and their one adopted child going on adventures through space trying to keep their kids safe. Yep. Pretty much. Hijinks ensue. Um, for anyone who remembers the 90s, this is my four dads. <laughs> Except they're older brothers. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I expected, like, from, from from all I'd seen of this series' marketing, I had assumed it was going to be much more of, like, a... Like, a... I don't know what I expected. I expected it to be more, like, serious and, gr- like, grim and... Grim, dark, angry. I expected stuff. to really not enjoy the characters and for them to be just, like, gruff, angry man types. And, like... One of them is, but... One of them is, but, like... <laughs> In a wholesome way. Oh no, I meant the other one. Oh yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> it's having this one character in the mix to force them to sort of reevaluate their setup. They've got really fun dynamics. It's a, uh, it's an enjoyable time. Amiga is so like sweet and innocent, and like has a real sense of. But not helpless though. Oh no, not at yeah. all. Like as as soon and and. Like, they don't fuck about in teaching us how to use a weapon. Yeah. And she gets a really badass weapon. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing that confused me in that, and I, I suspect it's probably just having people record their lines at entirely separate times, especially when you're working with a child. Mm. Um, oh, everyone yes. calls her Omega. And whenever she speaks about herself, Hi, my name's Omega. Sometimes you just have things like that happen in voice acting. Um, Someone yeah. changed their mind about a directing choice at some point yeah, in the process. Absolutely, but yeah. I do feel a bit weird about that um, sometimes. But like, it's such like like when she is introduced to the concept of slavery, she's like, "That's not good. We need to do something about that." Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, it's, you're correct. It's good. It's wholesome. It doesn't require too much existing Star Wars knowledge. I think you could pretty safely not necessarily know any of the other Star Wars. Yeah, all you need to know is that in the prequels there was an army of soldiers who were all clones of each other. And that is kind of explained in the first episode. Yeah, like that's that's basically the only existing knowledge you need. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Jedi are good. It was very bad when people were told to murder them all. Yes. There you go. And also shit from this might tie into other Star Wars. There's definitely some other Star Wars things where I'm like, oh, I understand that more now. I've seen this. Yeah, I mean, there are characters that I know from, literally know from other Star Wars series. And there was a, there was two characters in the same episode where we kind of went, if we had watched another Star Wars series (laughs) before watching this, uh, or watched this before watching the other Star Wars series, we definitely would have understood who both of those those characters were and it would have had way more weight. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was good. Loved it. Don't give Disney money. We uh, don't give Disney money. Uh, we also watched season one of uh, Harley Quinn. Yes, that was real fun. It was fun. Yes, you did not know what to expect going in. I yeah, we got like two seconds <laughs> into that, and I was like, ah, what? I, I, <laughs> I was expecting like 
the nineties era um, Batman the animated series. I, I can I can pinpoint exactly when it is you realised what was happening, and it was when the first motherfucker got dropped. I think no, I think it's when someone's fucking head exploded. I, I thought they were the other way around, but yeah. Um, because I, I think those two yeah. things happen in very close proximity, yeah. and I think the thing I reacted to was someone's head exploding, yeah. and then someone literally immediately says "motherfucker." I was like, okay, <laughs> this so, is yeah. this is not an adorable, slightly gay show. Yeah. I mean, it 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 it, it gets pretty. Apparently, it gets pretty fucking gay. I hope it gets um, gayer because it's. Not, I I was promised way gayer than I have so received. My thus understanding far. is the stuff that is tiptoed around here, like the following seasons, becomes very explicit. I didn't feel like it was tiptoed around. I feel like it had been completely misrepresented. Because, like, to, there is a character very early on. Yes. Who expresses quite openly. Yes. The homosexual feelings for another character. Yeah. Possibly bisexual feelings. Yeah. Let's not rule anyone out here. Yeah. But then almost immediately falls in love with someone else. I covertly. Mean, my... And has a relationship. And by the end of the series, it is a much more stable relationship. So my reading of that is bisexual character is my reading who is not um, is not pursuing the gay thing that's that's potentially on the table mm. because hey you've got fucked up shit going on of your own and you are not in a state to start a relationship. But I am here and, for you. Yeah, mostly. I'm here for you. And Unless you're a dick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen this, this is another in the becoming more common trend of uh, series about Harley Quinn coming to terms with the fact that the Joker is a shit bag who does not treat her well and that she is being emotionally manipulated by and that she needs to get over that and get through that and come out the side mm-hmm, a stronger mm-hmm, independent mm-hmm. Harley. Um, I I have not seen any of the series like in, in context other than the season we've seen together. I have seen some clips, some isolated clips from later. Yes. And yeah, it definitely gets explicitly gay. Yeah, I I think that's part of the problem. I had seen a lot of that stuff and was expecting that like right from the beginning. Yeah. So when that wasn't happening, I was like, Where, was I catfished? I, I don't think you were catfished. I think <laughs> season one is... Season one is the Birds of Prey movie. It is basically... This this first season is entirely a story about Harley getting over her fucked up relationship with the Joker. Yes. So that she's in a healthier position to gay it up later. Yes. And I very much enjoyed it, but yeah, it's... I I at least knew the swearing and the violence going in. I mean, I don't I have a problem with swearing, swearing violence. Whiplash. I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't have that particular whiplash. <laughs> um, but it was very funny. It was funny. It was fun in 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 a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, I laughed more than I was expecting it, to. It had very snappy pacing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why, like, while trying to play Bear and Breakfast and watch that, I kept, like, flicking over for long periods of time. Hang on, I needed to pause this. What's happening? (laughs) This is a bit chaotic. I mean, it suffers from the same problem a lot of DC Batman universe stuff suffers from. And that is, we are going to use words about mental health. Yes. In a really negative way. Yeah, yeah. That is that is unfortunately the ticket you sort of buy in with when dealing with the Batman universe. Yes, because they love talking about mental health and that. Yes, uh, any any sufficiently they evil don't have a prison. They have an asylum. The asylum. Yeah, no one is sane and evil. Yes, and they will throw the word psycho around 
constantly. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I had a problem with was uh, I can't remember his name. The is his name literally Psycho, the um, guy with the psychic powers who is just a massive misogynist. I... Maybe. His name might just be Psycho. It seems like it would be. Like, I don't understand why they kept him around other than the fact that he has powers. Like, he's a massive knob. He's a massive knob. Yeah. He is a massive knob. He's a psychic knob. <laughs> he is, but all... <laughs> <laughs> Cut me. Um, it, it felt like a couple of times they were like, ha ha... He's a bit of a creeper. Ha 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 ha. You're not making a point here, really. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there are other versions of Harley Quinn and other bits of media that would have been like, no, fuck off, you you creep. I feel like in the new f- in the f- first issue of the New 52 yeah. reboot, the only one I liked, she would have fucking, like, yeah. croquet mallet hit him out the fucking window. Indeed. Into um, a pool of sharks. But yeah, had a fun time. Yeah, caveats I, uh, given. We'll, we'll watch the second series. Yeah. Content warning, content warning, content warning. Um, other than that, uh, My Neighbor Totoro. <gasps> yes. That's a very good, sweet, wholesome film, Matt. I was feeling a bit delicate and wanted to put on some low-stakes films. So I looked up new low-stakes films, saw Ghibli films and was like, yes. Definitely want to add some of those to the list to watch. We'll, we'll talk about after we'll talk about the, the, other the other one that was on the low stakes films list. So the first one we watched was uh, My Neighbor Totoro, My Neighbor which Totoro. I haven't watched for a while. It's... But it is just the sweet, gentle film with it... mild. Pa- I guess if you're a parent, you're probably going to be more upset by the whole scene of May going missing or getting yeah. lost. It is a film where not very many things happen. But they happen very beautifully and uh, creatively and at a very... It's like just a warm wave washing over mm. you. And I, I like how it doesn't always need to use language necessarily to convey like a lot of feeling. Yeah. Obviously there's May first discovering Totoro, which is adorable. Yeah. Uh, there's Totoro turning up at the bus stop in that iconic yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is beautiful. There's the flight on the spinning top. Yeah. Which is just pure, beautiful, like, fantasy fun for uh, for young people and me. <laughs> uh, and it's just, like, it's just lovely. And that's, that's very much what I needed. Yeah. So... <laughs> The next film on the list. Should we do the other Ghibli one while we're in Ghibli? Oh, town? okay. I was going to do it as we in okay, the order we watched we'll do, it. We'll but... do it in the order we saw it. <laughs> so the next film was like, ah, a film about a train station. Laura will love a film about trains. Ah, <laughs> oh, a film about trains. Bloody love it. <laughs> and it does start in a train station. <laughs> and and it it's a French train station, and everyone pretty much has an English accent. Yes. Apart from whatever the fuck Sasha Baron Cohen is doing. Um, train cop. <laughs> train cop. Yes. I'm the villain, so I have a French accent. Slightly. It's it, it's an accent. I don't think it's French. It's it's. I think you put it well when it's like, oh, it's it's something you'd hear in LLLO. No, I meant that he looks very much like like the look they've gone for him is is literally Officer well, Crabtree. I agree. 
great. I realise it's like, like basically yeah. the gendarme. Yeah, it's it's that Beautiful. sort of like that era of British sitcom trying to do a French accent. I think. It, like if a Faulty Towers French accent was happening, it would be somewhere in the ballpark of this. I, it's, I, I, I feel like, I feel like that the Alawello would be way more uh, accented it's, okay, in, in it's, a in a very problematic way. I, I mean, I don't know how yeah. French people feel about that kind of stuff, but probably offended. But yes, was this a light-hearted, easygoing <laughs> no, it was film not. with no thought required? <laughs> no, it was not. There was there was many thought required for this. I, I yeah. <laughs> So it's about a small boy who lives in the train station because his dad died in a fire. His uncle disappeared. His uncle was a drunkard who, uh, after his father died, dragged him to live in the train station and wind the clocks. But like secretly hiding in the walls now. Yeah, never be seen. Be a borrower person who winds the clocks. Yes. And then like one day he just doesn't come home and the boy's like, well, I guess I'm on my own now. I'm alone in the walls with no money now. Stealing to survive. Stealing to survive and also trying to rebuild this automata that my dad found abandoned and unwanted at a museum. The only thing left I have of my father is this robot that I need to build. this creepy metal robot. maybe write something and I need to and it's missing it. a key yeah um, and yeah and then it it goes from being this strange romp about this poor abandoned child to be a, just a whole exposition on the like the birth of cinema yeah the life and times of one George Millier yes one of the influential early filmmakers like the very first Film and, filmmaker, yes. as opposed to here is a train pulling into a station that and we have shot footage of. His battle with like depressing feelings about his art and the way that that intersected with the World War One and war changing <laughs> people's desires and attitudes towards uh, the media they consume. They were less. They were less in a mood for fantasy. No one wants and, fantasy and fun after war. Oops, my creativity, my creative career has spiralled into the drain. Yeah, so uh, I cried a lot at that film, but also, like, I have problems with Sasha Baron Cohen for many reasons. Lots, and there I, are many reasons lots, to have problems with Sasha lots Baron Cohen. Of, lots of people understand why. Like, I, yeah. I, I was chatting to someone, uh, a friend recently, about what it was like growing up in the 90s as a black person in central London when... Yes. Every white kid is donning a banana yellow fucking tracksuit and Ooh. doing that voice. Yes. Sasha Baron Cohen has done a lot of things over the years that he has not always uh, accounted for the impact he created. Yes, and a lot of Azerbaijani people have talked about the problems with Borat. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so... I here's the thing. I just read the description. I didn't look at who was in it. Oh yeah, no. And as soon as I put it on, I was like, I've seen things about this film. I don't remember what I've seen, but I I think I almost immediately decided when I first heard about it not to watch it because Sasha Baron Cohen was in it. <laughs> that one of the one of the things that irritates me in this is he is uh, he suffered an injury during the war. Which yes. means he now wears this leg brace that yes. sometimes uh, gets um, like stuck, yeah. and that frustrates him in a way that makes him sort of like quietly angry and constantly burning with his rage and need to attack anything yes. 
It's um, it's a reminder of the war that he can't shake that has he has lingering feelings attached to. And I understand the nuance of that. Yes. But he is also seen as the main antagonist of the film and yes. generally quite spiteful. Yeah. So despite trying to go, oh, the reason he does it is because he is in pain or discomforted or distressed by his injury. Yeah. Um, or like embarrassed about, about like there's, there's a few characters in this film who clearly have eyes for each other. And over the yeah. course of the film, those relationships develop, including, uh, the, the, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's character chatting to the the yeah. woman who sells flowers, mm. um, but like he is spiteful in just really unpleasant ways several times in the film. He just says things that are just not okay. Yeah, but then also sometimes he's like a comedic uh, like character. Almost immediately at the beginning of the film, he falls over while a train is pulling into a station. Gets his um, oh yes, he gets leg his... brace caught on yes. the door handle and is dragged down the, the and, station. And I'm like, that's not okay. It's played for laughs, like ha ha ha. This man's disability age has gotten stuck on a thing and he's being dragged along by it. I ha, get ha, he's ha. a dick, but I do not feel okay putting yes. those things together. Yes, yes. His they they feel like they're trying to do like three or four different things with his character and they don't really mesh. I feel like a lot of things about the films didn't mesh but like yeah. maybe I'm not smart enough because apparently it's a Martin Scorsese film I mean isn't he the guy who like famously hates the Marvel movies because that's not yeah. what cinema is there are there are a lot of things about that film that seem real interesting oh, yeah. and a lot of messy caveats about yeah, it there are, there are some there are some big swings and a couple of big misses yeah uh, but ultimately, it's it is quite charming. There are some stunning visual effects in that, like um, when in, uh, when Hugo has the nightmare. Yes, uh, I yes. won't go into what happens, no. but like just the way that transformation happens is fascinating. Yeah. Like it's so clean. But I think this film's from like 2011. Yeah. Um, and obviously just. I mean, I don't know how much of it is entirely accurate, but I know some of that stuff about the um, Voyage to the Moon film, whatever yes, it is called. Yes, yes. Uh, like that very first thing. Um, if if all of the facts about the history of cinema are vaguely accurate, I mean, obviously some artistic license would have been taken, but like the bits about like the Lumiere brothers and... It, it seems like a... Like a beautiful way to teach about the history of film yep. through fiction, but also it is not a carefree, it is, charming jaunt it is about not a boy who lives with the trains. Stick on in between two Ghibli films. <laughs> it feels a little out of place stuck between two Ghibli films. So I panicked and resorted back to the other film I, I had intended to watch. In fact, before Totoro uh, was Kiki's Delivery Service. Kiki's Delivery Service is a wonderful film. Kiki's Delivery Service is a film that has grown on me. You have to be in the right frame of mind for uh, for Kiki's Delivery Service. I think a lot of people go in expecting it to be things it isn't. I think Kiki's might have been the third Ghibli film I ever saw. Yeah. So I saw Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. The Cat Returns. Yes. And then Kiki's. So Howl's Moving Castle, based on a Welsh folk story, yeah. has a very definite beginning, middle, and ends. Arcs with character growth and stuff. 
and is quite a traditional story arc. Yes. Uh, Cat Returns is a, a massive romp between girl saves cat with lacrosse stick, becomes, uh, is courted by the king of the cats. Yeah. Kind of becomes a cat and has to, to flee with the baron. <laughs> and again, understandable story arc. And I watched Kiki and I remember just being really angry I, at the end of it. Just going, fuck was that film? It didn't have an ending. I mean, I, I think knowing which Ghibli films you watched before it definitely makes sense of that. Because, like, Ghibli has two very different types of films that yes. they will do. They do the big, grand, traditional adventure, but they also do the, the films pastoral that pastoral slice of life. Yeah. This is just a quiet little slice of life and just a bit of time in the life of a person. Yes. And sometimes there's a fantastical element to it. You know, like, uh, this, is a, this is a young witch. But at its heart, it's... This is a story of a girl trying to get some independence and fumbling through the beginnings of what life is like when you're in charge of it yourself. And, and also, like, being an outsider. Yeah. Uh, being away from your parents. Uh, moving to a big city. Yeah. Juggling responsibilities and starting to discover the world on your own footing. Yep. And, you know, also making friends and the the difficulties of life in general. Yeah, and managing your emotional health, particularly around... Uh, I would say there is a big tint towards creativity and career meshing and mm. how you deal with slumps in that. Yeah. yeah. Um... Like, don't get, don't get me wrong, like, having watched it several times since, I love Kiki's. Yeah. That's why it was, like, first on my list of, yes, I want to have a, a low brain day. Yeah. I will watch Kiki's. I love it. It is uh, a sweet, beautiful film. It absolutely has an ending. I yeah. don't know what the fuck I was thinking the first time. I might have been very stoned. <laughs> um, like, it is, it is beautiful, but it isn't very high stakes, and... I really appreciate that I mean, sometimes. For 90% of the film, the highest stakes are there is some rain and some wind. And I'm running a bit late. And also, Tombo's kind of a creep for a lot of that film. Maybe I have a cold and I'm sad. And there's some tension at the end, but it's largely... Well, I'm I'm struggling with... I'm going through... I'm going finding through my life. place in this yeah. big old world. It's yeah. a beautiful film. It's a beautiful film. It's Yeah, yeah it's... It's a sweet film, also about making friends of different ages, like, yeah. because Kiki really struggles with a lot of the city kids. You've got Tombo, who's just too boisterous for her for yeah. most of the film. You've got the granddaughter of the woman who makes the fish pie. Yes, who's just very snooty and... Who's, yeah, very snooty and, like, is clearly the popular kid. Yeah. And then you've got, like, making friends with, uh, I think it's her name's Asono, the the uh, the baker, the uh, the old woman and her... Old woman friend? Uh, her old woman, her friend that her, she shares with. Her wife. <laughs> Clearly lesbian. <laughs> they do have big lesbian endings. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely some sub-dom vibes going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one of them is an absolute gremlin, the other one is in pain and sedate, which I can relate to. <laughs> um... Yeah, the Kiki's is is a beautiful film. It's beautifully animated. Yeah. The uh, backgrounds, as in all Ghibli films, are just just stunning. Gorgeous. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very glad that that was the end of 
calm, wind down, yeah. reset. Don't look at Twitter Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's everything I've watched this week. Well, that is everything I've watched. <gasps> well then, what of this? Well, I've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you have a neurodivergent? I do have a couple of those. And do you do the 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 tappy fidgety oh, which yeah, well? the sensory mess around with my hands, something to keep me from being too bored, too too un too chaotic. Do you sometimes find that you get too used to your fidgety woo? I mean, yeah, it's why I own many many different fidgety woos. I have to rotate between them, you see. And I imagine that takes up quite a lot of carrying space. It really does. What if <gasps> not that? Okay, well, what instead? What if? Non-Euclidean fidget. Tell me more. You wanna, you wanna twist it? Do the twisty. You wanna find a crunchy bit? Fold it over. There's a crunchy bit. Maybe, maybe there's a different texture there. Fold it over again and again and again and again. Maybe it's getting exponentially large now. Maybe then you can lay underneath it because it's a weighted object and it will cover your entire body mass and not be too heavy. But then you twist it this way. Ah ha ha! Now it has the nice bumpies. Ooh, and you can poke in the bumpies and they do little pop sounds. Ooh. And they, they, that's not environmentally damaging. This has way more sides than it feels like it should be able to have. And if you keep unfolding it, it will have more sides still. <gasps> or if you just turn it sideways, it might vanish entirely. Oh, wow. Such convenient for space management. Exactly. You can always fit it in a pocket or a bag or just between your teeth and your, gut and, and, and your cheek if you need to sneak it in somewhere. Maybe, maybe you were using it as a chew stim. Who knows? <laughs> uh, this is the non-Euclidean fidget. Get yours now from non-Euclidean-fidget.lol.net and enter the code QNPS200 and something. We had a week off. I don't know anymore. Everything is chaos. Except for the non-Euclidean fidget, which makes me feel good. The possibilities truly are endless. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, ex-employees have been talking. Right, NDAs. Get them, get them. Yeah, get them, get them. I, I mean, obviously we get them, but I mean, once once, a, once an ex-employee has said something, you can't put the, uh, the, the cork bathing in the bottle. They've said it now. They have said it. Yeah, they've said it now. So, uh... So we have a defamation trial. I mean, look, we, we do, but we... Look, I should probably tell you what they said. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. they claim... That we stoked the developer wars to make money. We agitated our audience against other audiences going, Hey, the people who like our games are better than the people who like their games. Go get them. I mean, that's the thing that even like our predecessor was yeah, doing um, way back in the 80s. Well, I mean, like, that's just part of the game. that we do it. But also, we don't talk about the fact we do it. That we, you know, stoke tribalism in order to make money out of other people's anger and vitriol. Didn't it's, we give a whole speech at last year's GDC where we were like, stoke people's vitriol and well, tribalism? Well, yeah, but you say it to other developers. You you say it in like, you know, uh, d deniable language. You right. don't say yeah, the yeah. loud we part did do loud. Yeah. You say the loud part quiet. I mean, I did get quite loud at the uh, the free bar afterwards. Well, but, uh, well. I mean, that was uh, executives only, so exactly. uh, probably so, fine. Yeah, so problem. How do we how do we spin this? How do we spin the fact that we, we whipped up tribalism and vitriol into being a good thing? Well, we could uh 
maybe imply to some of our audience that uh, the uh, press, the media, are being big bullies to us. Uh, we whip up some tribalism. <laughs> yeah, but tribalism about a different thing. Yeah, yeah, we direct well, it at the people so. who've pointed out or are airing our tribalism discourse, and well, we make it go away that way. Well, see, I got a plan. I, I right, think right. we don't deny it, per se. We, <gasps> well, here's what I think we do. We say... Is it really whipping up tribalism if it's true? If we truly are the best game developer and every other game developer sucks, is it really whipping up tribalism to encourage our audience to think that? I mean, we are just speaking the truth. We are notable truth-tellers, the exactly. two of us. Yeah. Speaking truth yeah. to the masses. Yeah, and the masses who buy our games and, yeah. Uh, yeah the... Exactly, it's not tribalism. We just told them the truth and they acted violently against others based on the truth. So on JPEG, we abhor violence, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, don't be violent, but also tribalism. You are a fucking genius. I know. So, oh, what have you put in your ears apart from very fancy headphones? I mean, that's the... I've been listening to a lot of stuff in my new very fancy headphones. I got some headphones... That have a bit that goes in your ear and a bit that goes over the ear, and they measure how your ear responds to sound and tweaks the sound. So all the sounds are nice. Um, they're very nice headphones. I've been a little bit in love with them. Um, what have I been listening to? Best song I think so far I've listened to in those is "Big Bounce" by Shock One. Ooh. Um, basically anything Shock One sounds fucking phenomenal <laughs> in these headphones. In that, like, they're very good headphones for intricate, twiddly, like... Um, glitchy dubstep. <laughs> yeah, glitchy things. But also, the bits around the outside, you can turn them up so... Without just brute-forcing volume, you can get the feeling that I'm stood by the bass bin. Ooh. I'm having a bit of a proper... Boo, 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 nice. Around me. Like, I think you, you'd you really d dig the, the, oh, I am right in front of the bins. I, w I mean, I will lot. try them now that you have the, the thing all sorted yeah. for them. Now, when I tried them on with no sound coming out of them, it was just, uh, mm, I have something almost in my ear, and I'm kind of squick about that. Yeah. <laughs> I think once there is sound coming out of them, you'll go, yeah, I can look <laughs> a bit of squick for this. Play the play the three tracks that I test every new sound system yeah, with. What, what are your tracks generally? Uh, Portishead Roads. Yeah. Uh, amazing track. Um, oh, horrible person, but don't pay any money. Tracks are available for free on YouTube. Um, feeling good, Nina Simone, Bass Nectar remix. Yes, that is one of the ones I Fuck tested. Bass Nectar. Yeah, it's, it's one of the ones I tested regardless because it's... Mm. Like, the build on that is perfect for yeah. testing a set of speakers with. Um, oh, fuck, what's the other one? I can't remember right now. Yeah. So I tried a few things because I was like, I want stuff that's going to like push varying sounds of this. Yes. Anything, anything by um, Shock One, absolutely fucking mm, amazing mm -hmm, on mm -hmm, these. Mm -hmm. um, there's a track called, uh, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, Legiosio uh, by Olafa Arnolds. Beautifully delicate track. It's always my one I use to go, how well does this capture subtlety and very gentle nuance mm. um i ought to, i found that um uh the foundations of decay michael mcromance really good on these in that that vocal line that on a lot of headphones is very washed out and buried 
a lot easier to pick out in the mix mm. in these, which is really nice. Like, it feels a lot more separated out from the rest of the, the okay. audio. Um, I'd be curious to know the science behind these headphones. <laughs> so, my understanding is it's some of the frequencies are being played in the ear and some are being played, like, on the... Um, yeah, the, on the outer outside. ear and yeah. being picked up that way and that separates out a couple of categories. I don't know... I, the main thing I know about the science of these is that apparently when a sound is played at your ear a very tiny sound... Your ear makes a very okay. tiny sound back. Um, and depending on... Well, no, it's not just an echo. Apparently, like, depending on whether it has registered the sound or not, your ear will make a sound back. I suppose that's just the movement of your bones? Yeah, I guess. But the, these headphones basically play a sound and go, we played this frequency, what did your ear do back? That tells us how much or how little you hear that frequency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll tweak it around that. And they sound real good. Oh. Um, but yes, other things I listened to, because I was putting a lot of music in my ears, because of yes. course I was. Um... I found a track called Sober by Fiddler, F-I-D-L-A-R, which is a sort of chaotic, loud, punk wall of sound about getting sober and realising that you have a much lower tolerance for bullshit from the people around you. Um, The kind of people where you're like, oh, when when we're drunk together, you're for, oh, no, you're insufferable. Ah. Um, It's Okay to Punch Nazis by Cheap Perfume. Um, A femme punk band that uses... High-pitched, like, um, almost a little exaggeratedly girly-style vocals to be in deliberate contrast with the anger of the sound of the music and their oh, lyrics. Yeah. Um, like, almost falsetto? Or? A little bit. A little sort of, like, imagine teenage girl in American, sit- uh, um, uh, American sitcom. Oh, my God. A little bit mean girl at the table in the American sitcom. Right, okay. Um, singing about, like... Society seems to have forgotten that Nazis should feel fucking scared to exist. Um, shouldn't have to fucking remind you, but it's okay to f- punch Nazis. And I, I appreciate that the track also really hammers in on um, when it says it's okay, it's it's okay to punch Nazis. Uh, there is a line in the song that says the Nazis changed their name, now they're called the alt right, and it repeatedly uses this refrain to go, "It's okay to punch Nazis." And hey, those people may have rebranded, but they're still fucking Nazis. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck yeah, good, good going. Hell yeah. Um, I listened to a track called "Solitary Confinement" by Everybody's Worried About Owen. Um, it is a beautifully intricate uh, and complex acoustic guitar track about feeling lost and complacent and losing your drive and getting comfortable, just liking being alone and unhassled. Mm. And being in this weird situation where people want to wish you well because they think you're really struggling and being like, but I'm fine with this and I, I'm, I'm Just com- because my happiness does not look the yeah, same as yours just, does not mean I'm struggling. Just because I'm currently comfortable just being stagnant and by myself yeah. doesn't mean that I'm sad about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting track. Um, and the last one, which again... Scar sounds so good in these headphones, and again, I think that's because lots of different instruments, like yeah. it really benefits from lots of different pitches happening. Uh-huh. Uh, a track called "Unbothered" Ooh. Uh, by Jer. Yeah. J E R. Yes. Yeah. This is is this a Scar Tree Network person? Yes. Yes. Jer. Jer. Um, I've never read it out loud. I was like, I see what letters here. So, "Unbothered" know. is, I think, the 
closing track for Bothered Unbothered, which is the yes. album that I was talking about a few months ago. Yes, um, it is definitely off that album because the album art says a Bothered Unbothered on it. Uh-huh. Um, just some really good anti-capitalist, anti-corporate, anti-bigotry scar about being furious at people's apathy towards injustice. Yep. It's a real good track, that, and right? apathy to other people. Yeah. And... Oh, it's a banger. It's The whole album is an absolute banger. Yeah. What about you? What do you listen to this week? Well, well, I have, on repeat, listened to the TikTok version of um, uh, the Dear Maria parody. I've got depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay in bed all day. Eating snacks instead of healthy food and binge-watching anime. <laughs> I'm fine, mostly. Yeah. Um, I also listened to uh, the late... I think it's the latest SCP archives. There might be another one by now. Uh, this is SCP-5255, Primordial Truth. Okay. It is about a um, a tunnel with a light in it. Mm-hmm. And people who get within distance of the light shining upon them uh, become unable to lie. Okay. And like, even if they don't themselves know that something is a lie. Oh, that's always the more interesting version. Like, there is a, a fascinating bit where they send a person into the light with this card to read every, like, 20 feet. Yeah. And it's like, King Leopold the something was king of... France yeah. in this year. Is that true? Can you just please proceed and, and read, the, read the card at the next time? And eventually she just says the correct year and they're like, that's not what's written on the card. Please read what's written on the card. And she can't say what's written on the card because yeah. it's not true. But, but the knowledge that she doesn't have of the truth does come out of her mouth. Yep. Oh. And then eventually they send a couple of uh, D-Class past the light, like into a cavern, and they can't record it. Like one person's fucking headset explodes, Mm. leaving them like deaf and bleeding down one side. And stuff happens. I won't spoil it. It's quite a fascinating story. And if you are somebody who doesn't like a lot of SCP stuff because of the way they treat D-Class personnel... You might quite enjoy this one. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a good one. Um, have you got any others you want to mention before? No, I think that's it. Other, other than that, it's just been listening to all of my music going, oh, it sounds so good. Sounds so good. Uh, I started listening to uh, a podcast, which I believe was advertised on that episode of yeah. uh, the SCP Archives. Uh, the podcast is called Someone Dies in This Elevator. <gasps> yes. A been, spoiler-based podcast. You've been telling me about this and it sounds super interesting. Um, so I have now listened to all of the first series, the full series. Yeah. And a bunch of the minisodes that come after it. Yeah. So the series is generally like 15-minute episodes... Usually one full story, plus intro and outro, so obviously you get some cluts-offs. Sometimes it'll be like a ten-minute story and then have a little shorter story at the end. Yeah. And it is, every single story is, you know that somebody is going to die in an elevator, and most of them consequently just take place in an elevator. Yeah. Um, I'll, I guess I'll spoil kind of one of the minisodes, so it's not like the full uh, story. It is a uh, monologue of a person who... Gets into a lift, uh, presses a button, uh, a portal appears beneath them, 
Uh Satan comes up and has a conversation with him um, and uh, offers to let him rule in hell. Aha! Um, And the, the, the logic of this particular story is that anyone can be Satan. Okay. And they are approached by the previous Satan. Hey, hey, do you want to do this? You don't have to do it forever. If you don't want to do it... Offer it to someone else. Offer it to someone else. You will... I'm sure you will find someone. It's it's not that difficult to find someone. You are literally my first person. Um, And and that was quite a fascinating story. Content warning for the last episode of the series. Right. (laughs) The last episode of the series is... So all of the others had been like... Um, almost casual. Yes. Of the person dying, uh, like there's one where somebody is like clubbed over the head. Yeah. And then the elevator is going up and down, and various people are getting in and out of the lift, literally stepping around the body. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's almost comedic the way rich people just yeah. treat this body of this working class person they think of as as nothing. Yeah. Um. But then the episode Hot Wheels is about two people uh, who are uh, power-assisted wheelchair users, one of whom is on a ventilator. Okay. The episode opens with them joking about the fact that the signs saying do not use in the event of a fire are always on the inside of a lift. Why aren't they on the outside? And that episode ends very badly for both of them, and it's really traumatic. Because it's quite drawn out. I can see how you could... Yeah, how that could go that... Yeah, I can see where that story could go. Um, And they talk about things that, like, I have thought about because I used to work in a shopping centre. Yeah. Like, what is the evacuation plan for people who use wheelchairs? Well, there is a little corner far away from anything flammable that has to be kept completely clear near a fire exit. Yeah. And you basically just park them there, hope they don't suffer any, like, smoke inhalation, and try and put the rest of the building out around them until such time you can, you can rescue them yeah. safely. Which is shit. That is bad. Um, maybe think about that a bit more, building designing people. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is almost certainly the heaviest episode of the entire series. Yeah. Um, and that is the last episode of, of season one. Okay. They are apparently currently kickstarting to do a second series. Yeah, they want to make sure everyone can be paid for their their time. All the other concepts you've told me have seemed a lot more light-hearted. Light-hearted, or at least like just told in a more. I think, I think it's because it is such a uh, just a a horrific thing that is likely. Yeah, there's nothing fantastical about it. It is yeah. just a grounded. The thing. first character, the first episode is called Three Superheroes Walk Into a, a Lift. Yeah. And there is some time travel shenanigans, and it's fascinating, and a lovely lesbian relationship that blossoms in the co- course of 15 minutes. And there's, like, other ones about, uh, like, oh, this is a, maybe this is a hallucination and this lift doesn't exist, and we're in some kind of virtual world, or maybe we are going into some... St- it's kind of Mesoamerican ziggurat, and we found that there's a, a lift in here, huh. and and something happens. Maybe we awaken a weird elder god, and then there's just this this last one that it could just be a story that happened to two people. 
because disabled people are left out of a lot of this stuff or just an afterthought in so many ways, assuming the thought of a doll. Yeah. It feels like when the Magnus Archives, I think in season four, had that one episode where it's like, oops, we got a bit too close to just bad thing that happens to real people. Yeah. Like, of all the things that I put into um, the program, there there were a couple of, like, limits that I knew I would never cross. Yeah. And when I ran out of ideas that weren't that thing, I ended that series. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think you have to be really careful about stuff with like that. But every episode does come with a, a content warning and does advise you to read the show notes if you want more details on the content warnings. So it might be like... This episode contains a f- uh, an example of a fear of this thing, or claustrophobia, or something like that, or, yeah. lo- or loss of um, bodily autonomy. Yeah. If you want more details, they're in the show notes, go ahead. One thing I have noticed from the credits, mm. looking through, because there were a couple of times where I was like, I recognise that voice. Oh, it is Ben Meredith. Yeah. <laughs> As f- I would say like 70% of the, the uh, credited cast in this... Use they them or he they, and the majority are they them. So it is nice to know that non-binary people or gender fluid people, uh, potentially, I suppose, are getting and doing their thing, and I hope that they get to do a second series. Indeed. But um, yes, uh, listen to the series. If if that last episode is going to be specifically triggering for you, I will warn you up front that it is way heavier than any of the others. Okay. Uh, but still, fun to make you think, perhaps. But so, content warning, not on a fragile day. Yeah. Um, you listen to anything else? No, I think that's it for me. Well then. <gasps> Time for this. We've done it. We've discovered a cure. <gasps> really? Really? It's managed? We've done it? Yes. Never again will anyone have to suffer from Dunning-Kruger. Oh, oh goodness, so, so no one will ever be sort of shouting about a thing they don't actually know anything about anymore? No one will be crowing the loudest about the thing they understand the least about. Okay, well how does it work? How does the pill work? Well, you take the pill every day, and it just brings up your expertise to the level of your confidence. Oh, so the more confident I am, the more you actually know. Well, exactly, so the more you've been shouting about a thing, then the, you will actually have all the information that you thought you had before. Uh, are there any sort of side effects, drawbacks, any negatives? Well, I mean, in testing, once we got on to human testing, I mean, there's no physical harm to people, but a lot have found that um, they are becoming quite depressed as they realise what utter twaddle they were insisting was correct mere minutes before. Oh, the whole ignorance is bliss thing. Uh, Suddenly, oh no, I realise I've been shouting nonsense for years. I was shouting nonsense, also I was quite aggressive about it. Maybe I'm a bit of a dick. Oh... I mean, that's quite a hard pill to swallow. Much like the pill we're giving for the, for the thing, is it? Yes, it, 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 I don't know why we needed to make it star-shaped, but there we are. <laughs> um, it's, it's, excuse me. Hello. Uh, would I be right in thinking that you're uh, not native to this planet? Oh, that's right, yes. Uh, my people are from uh, a few galaxies over. Oh, um, well, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm sorry you're not finding it us at our uh, best right now. What with the the war, the climate disaster, the extreme injustice, um, we have some adorable bats, though. Oh, not to worry. We we knew what we were getting into when we decided to make the trip. It's it's all in a day's work. Oh, yes, I've been meaning to 
ask about the water cannon. It's really more of a high-pressure jet washer, I think you'd call it. I can't help but notice your power-washing Elon Musk. All part of the, the service, so we, we start by jetting off the stubborn filth, and uh, then we safely dispose of it, hoover up all the excess carbon, put it back where it belongs, and then uh, run the cooler over the caps, get things back to normal. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, no worries, friend. That's, uh, you can thank the deer for hiring us. The... the- Dear organised this? And you had no idea. <laughs> Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Larry. How are you doing? Oh. oh I've, been, I've been better, mate, but... Yeah. Not in any immediate peril, but, you know, I think I need... A, a bit of a rest. You need a bit of a rest. Step away from all the social media for a bit. It's been, it's been a lot recently. Yeah. And, you know, I, I often feel irresponsible for not being aware of what's going on in the world. But, you know, periodically you, you hit that sort oh. of level and you have to just step away from a little bit. It, for, you know, yeah, for it's own. important sometimes to just, you know, be okay with not knowing everything that's happening. Sometimes see stuff that's happening and go, I'm just not going to get involved in this one. I'm just not going to engage. Yeah. I'm not going to read further into that one. Yeah. Just let yourself have some space. Take a few personal days and, you know. Yeah, humanity Come was back not, refreshed. Humanity was not made to know exactly everything happening every second. No. We're no. not built for it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you, you been, you've been up to much? Oh, uh, you know, I've been... Uh, I've been trying to make sure uh, people in my life are uh, looking after themselves because uh, here in the UK we still got fair amount of heat sticking around. We've not had much in the way of cool days happening. Yeah, yeah, they talked about the you know the big heat wave, but was, uh, it's been been quite a hot summer generally. I've, I've uh, found I mean, so know, far. Yeah, there was a, there were a couple of forty degree uh, Celsius days, and you know now it feels comparably cooler. It's still you know in the mid to high twenties. Sometimes early 30s. Yeah, I've yeah, noticed been... the last couple of days has been sort of hovering around the 28, 29 degrees, but also it's been so humid. Exactly. It hasn't really let up in at least the last few weeks. And I've seen yeah. a lot of people who, you know, got through that couple of 40 degree days where it was sunny and blistering and were like, I got through it. Don't need to think about the heat anymore now. Yeah. Who have had like, who have been dehydrated, who have had illness from that, who have had, you know, heat stroke and stuff. Because... Because it doesn't, it's not forty Celsius outside. They're not thinking about the fact there's still an unseasonable amount of heat and warmth that they need to, you know, look after themselves with. They've got to yeah. uh, make sure they're hydrated, make sure that they, you know, uh, keeping themselves from getting burned and stuff, even if it's cloudy out. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. I think a lot of people were braced for the heat wave because obviously that was very well publicised and then a little bit sort of like oh it's still going on and I wasn't quite ready for this and I'm maybe not quite as preparing myself to go out of a day uh, as, as I should be and quite braced for the uh, for the long haul of it and, uh, yeah 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 it's just it's just important to like remind you know be reminded to like uh, just because the peak has passed doesn't mean that you shouldn't still look after yourself think things through you know yeah. if you if it's too hot to go for a walk in the day go for a walk in the evening yeah. you know uh, make sure you've got ice in the freezer if you can. You know, be... hydrate. Consider your yeah, clothing choices. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not one to tell anyone how they should cover their body or not, but you know, make sure that you are, you know, maybe wearing something light or something reflective. 
you know, taking into account what the weather is and looking after your physical needs. If you happen to be someone in a binder, you know, maybe taking breaks or not going too long, making sure that you are staying hydrated and as cool as possible. Exactly. Just looking after your needs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good hug, mate. Good, good hug. Good hug. Right, I think I'll, uh, I'll go and have a nice cold bath. Oh, sounds lovely. No. Yeah. So, Laura. <gasps> yes? We done a book. We done did a book. We done a book, even more done a book. Yeah. You continue to do done a book. Tell, tell me about that book. Well, we have, we have said yes to full stops and commas. And also no to... Full stops and commas. We we got like ten full stops and commas left to have a look at in the morning. Yeah, and very then close to being done. And then that's it, really. Yeah, then the book's just out of our hands, and then it it's going to be a book. Yeah, they'll be checking your final names you want in the the credits and yeah. stuff. Well, what's that book called? Where that book is called Who it? Hunts the Whale, and it's by you, and it's by me, <laughs> and it's about the video game industry and how shitty that is, but. Maybe somebody wants to do something about it, or, you know, maybe they will do spying. <gasps> spying? Spying. Maybe they will make friends. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they this, will make friends. Maybe this person from Wyoming will, will make some friends, will move to a big city and go and work for a big video game company that they are fascinated by, and realise that it's not everything they hope for. That book is Who Hunts the Whale, and it is available right now, and there is a link in the description, because it is too long to say. Hehe. <laughs> Uh, and Laura, you have a book. There is a book. It's over there on the shelf. It's imminently releasing. I have copies in my home. It's called Me and My Dysphoria Monster. It's an illustrated children's book. It comes out on August 18th, which is like within the next few weeks, depending on... 16 days. Yeah, 16 days as of when we record this. Go check it out. Pre-order it. It, It's coming out soon, and I'm super proud of it. Um, Other than that, I'm at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere on the internet. What about you, my dear? Me... Uh, well, apparently the place that did all my unified branding went away, so I had to go and get a new unified branding. I am on Linktree. That's linktr.ee slash janiac. J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find links to my Redbubble where you can get the, uh, Nero Spicy shirt. Such a a good shirt. I fucking love that shirt. I might get several more. Um, the, uh, you must be at least this tall to ride the Looming Mistress shirt, which I have also fallen in love with. Um, I knew I would love it, and then I finally managed to afford the shirt I designed over a year ago, and now I have it, and I wear it a lot, and I love it. And, uh, or the very relatable horse. What could that be about? What is, what is this WHDW? It's a very relatable horse. That is in the title. What could that mean? It's a very relatable horse, and we both own that shirt. I relate to that horse. We both own that shirt. It's a good shirt. Um, my most important one is patreon.com slash radio. Even a dollar is a life-changing amount for me. Bills have got expensive. Inflation has inflated. And, uh, I could do with the money. <laughs> Please help. Uh, that's patreon.com slash radio. And seriously, small dollar amounts from, from multiple people they, add they up. They are such a big deal. They add up. They are the only reason that this the, the, the things happen the things happen um, if not you know sharing sharing is caring sharing is caring um, and, and maybe help 
spread the word and find other people who would like to enjoy our particular brand of silliness. Thank you very much for joining us, Laura. Will you sing us out, please, darling? Until next time, be a stranger.